Hey guys, it's Jessica. And this is Kendra. You're listening to Lucid Lab. I got lost on the way here. You did. I was worried about you for a minute. I know. <laughs> I do this a lot, actually. I'm driving and like maybe I'm in my thoughts or I'm talking to someone. And I was driving up this way and all of a sudden I'm like, where where am I? You're like, this doesn't look I, familiar. I, it was beautiful. It was all rolling, very green hills and and it's like smoky outside and foggy. Right. And I was like, wow. But wait, I drive this drive all the time. I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't, don't remember, remember seeing any this. of this. Turns out I was almost to Wyoming, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a long ways away. You, would, it, you would still be driving right it, now. <laughs> I know. It's actually not that far up. It's not that far up. You're right. It's really not. It's like, what is it? The equivalents of Colorado Springs, maybe? Yeah, I think it's pr- from here. You can be in Wyoming probably in about an hour. So not even that. More. It's yeah. just going down to maybe Castle Rock or something. So yeah. anyway, I'm up that way and I'm like, I have no idea where I am. And so I look and it added like 25 minutes to me <laughs> coming back to you. <laughs> it was a nice detour, but we really didn't have the time to do that no, today. So yeah. I was really upset with myself. I'm like, gosh darn it, you did it again. Yeah, we're on a tight schedule today because... Jessica and I are actually going to go out tonight. Yeah, we're going to go have some fun in Boulder. Yeah, yeah. We're going to go have some dinner and drinks and meet up with some friends. It'll be great. It will be really good. <laughs> and we're going to go maybe hiking in the morning. Yes, there's if the weather cooperates. Yeah, there's it's a been few a places. Lot, it's been rainy a lot. Yeah, you're coming to my hometown because I'm over in Boulder. So I, I love a few Boulder. Spots to show you. Yeah, it's really beautiful. I love being up that way. I'm one of those people. I'm like, even if it's muddy. I brought I brought tall boots. Okay, good. Yeah, I've got hiking boots too. So I, yeah, I'm prepared for all I don't weather. I just what I don't have is an extra bag, and you know, plastic bags are not everywhere anymore. No, here, so <laughs> I don't know what I'll put them in after, but we'll figure it out. Yeah, I am a little hungover this morning, Aww. so hopefully I, it doesn't come through on the recording. But I went out yesterday and maybe had a little too much fun. Oh. <laughs> Uh, martinis okay. get to me but it was good I was catching up uh, I know who the martinis are because of yes <laughs> our mutual friend and then I was meeting up with another friend who I had lunch with her she's moving away oh no she's out moving. of Colorado in Aww. a few weeks which I'm really sad about yeah but and I, I didn't get to meet her yet no actually we talked about it was her funny lot. we were talking about our podcast yesterday and she's like I really wanted to follow Jessica online but I thought it might come across creepy and I was okay. like you actually follow her <laughs> yeah you can do it there's actually a lot of your friends who started following me and I'm like I don't know you but maybe someday <laughs> yeah exactly because we put both of our names yeah. on our podcast site for that reason so what else have you been up to this week okay I'll say the stressful things first so <laughs> because I'm just a fucking lunatic I now have three jobs because in addition wasn't to enough. this podcast <laughs> and, I was and yeah and we added this already <laughs> and a daughter oh my gosh and I didn't just pick up an easy job either because that's not what you do no, I, <laughs> I had a first day and on the same day my daughter decided to get very very sick well so, that sounds about like life <laughs> yeah so I started that job with her very ill and it was all day long and into the afternoon she came to me covered in full body hives and oh. my daughter has never had hives before so I'm like freaking Freaked out, out. Yeah. and it's on her face I mean every inch of her body she is covered and some of the hives were the diameter of like a softball like they, they oh, were wow. just big if not bigger I would be freaked out and so I had to rush and call 
grandma. I'm like, please come take her. Like, this is my first day and I don't want it to seem because I always I've always worked with my daughter at home. Always. Right. But this time I'm like, it's literally the first day. <laughs> like, yeah, that looks be, real bad. I need to make sure that I can handle this stuff. So she takes her and they just think it's a really bad case of strep. And then I'm arguing with the nurse. She's like, I don't think I even need to do a test. I'm like, test my do damn daughter a test before you give her antibiotics. Because it's antibiotics and she's trying to give steroids, which I will never give to my daughter. So that's fun. And my daughter was home all week while I had this new job oh, on man. top of two other jobs. <laughs> And we have the podcast and I was just losing my mind. There's well, no joke. I'm glad it's my week <laughs> this week and you don't have to try and research <laughs> and get ready for the episode. I'm really glad it was yeah. your week. Thankfully, we got through it. And my daughter, I just felt really bad for my daughter because she she just has bad luck when it comes to this. But she always gets sick when something exciting and important is coming up. Oh. Like a field trip. I was going to say, is it a field a day party? or something? Yeah, so today's a field day, but on Tuesday, she missed her last day of running club, which had a pizza party, and then she missed her first softball game, and like, she was just missing all this stuff, and she was in a, she was having a real moment. She was crying, and I'm sure, just so upset for like two hours, and at one point, she goes, I don't know why the universe is always doing this to me, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like, oh my God, she's such my kid, so So she's like throwing, she's throwing, you know, shade at the universe for always doing her wrong. She's doing better. She's not completely in the clear, but she's not contagious anymore or anything. So I let her go to field day today. So I got some, I'll have to show you, but our friend Elizabeth, because our kids go to school, I think we mentioned that she sent me some pictures and they're doing handstands and she's having fun. So So that's good. Finally. She got back there. It's a little rainy today, so I'm sure they're going to get some mud and fun things at field day today. I I mean, I I figured as much, but to end off the bad thing. So yesterday I was on the phone. I'm trying to make her food and I was making like a mac and cheese and I had, I really need to invest in the cordless headphones, but I had headphones in and I was trying to take the hot macaroni pot of water to the sink to drain it. And my cord got stuck on something near the stove and the entire pot of boiling hot water went into my right hand. Oh no. So I haven't showed you these yet. I was in, I'm not blistered, thank God. And I think it's because water's quick. It's not like it was like oil continuous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not slick on there. But I was in excruciating pain for hours. Like even now, there's there's just these spots and it's every finger. I couldn't use my right hand for the entire night. (laughs) Yeah. And it's still, yeah, it's still painful. So that was a fun end to yesterday. But we did have one good thing happen to us. So last weekend, my daughter and I, because I'm so busy, I'm like, I need to go do something special with her. And I took her to breakfast at this place up here. Um, I took her to breakfast there. We actually never been to breakfast there. We go there a lot. And they had this special little thing that kids could color on and like create a story and while she was sitting there waiting for her food, she made me this whole story of how she like loves me and why she she even like wrote something about podcasting and Aww. like and she drew me and it was really really sweet. We got up to go use the restroom. Like so we had more stuff coming. We had ordered dessert in the morning, yes, but we ordered dessert. It was a special day, yeah. yeah. And we went up to go use the restroom because kids and we came back and the entire table was cleared. Wow. Like completely cleared and I'm like Like our server knows that we're still here. Like, why did they do that? And so I really didn't care because what was left really wasn't all that important to me, even though like they took our drinks. I'm like, whatever, they can get our drinks again. But it was her page that she made for me. 
And she saw that gone and she just immediately just was so upset. And so we had to talk to the manager and I'm like, you guys threw that away. I need it back. (laughs) So you have to dumpster dive. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, well, I'll get another one and she can just do another one. I'm like, you must not have children. Right. (laughs) It's not going to work. He's like trying to convince a crying child to just redraw everything that she took from her heart and put down on a page. And so she was upset. And eventually he brought another one and he like brought this entire package of markers from their office. Yeah. (laughs) It's like expo markers, but it was every color. Uh And he's like here. And (laughs) she was like, fine, because it's markers. Like kids, kids change their mind from crayons to markers. So she started drawing again and eventually he actually found it. Someone dug through the trash for me and yeah. he came up to me with this. The page was like on one of those trays. Yeah, it was on a tray. Sorry. I used to work in restaurants forever. <laughs> <laughs> Can't even think of a normal word. He's like, I'm not going to let you have this, but I thought I would bring it to you so you know what to draw again. And I looked at it and I'm like, you're not going to let me have it. <laughs> Why? Was it covered in? It was just like a little wet. Give me my daughter's drawing. <laughs> you're like, I don't care. If it has some He's beer like, on it. Uh, are, you, are, you, are you sure? And I'm like, hand it over. You're not going to let me have it. What the- I decide what I keep from the trash. Okay, buddy. <laughs> Thank you. It was a weird moment. So anyway, it, but we still had a sweet morning. And the reason I'm telling this whole story is at one point, our server walks by and he goes, that table over there, they covered your whole bill. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because they saw the I guess they happening. just watched everything and the interaction of everything. And... Yeah, it was a really it was a really nice end to. And what was really cool about that is I had planned to take my daughter to Claire's. She really wanted clip-on earrings. Oh, all yeah. her friends have them, or they're actually pierced, getting pierced. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's you know, that's more money, <laughs> and they're not cheap. So I had already planned to do that, but it allowed me to get her even more. So now Aww. she has all these fancy little clip-on earrings, and they're really <laughs> cute. She has like little boba tea. Oh, I know they have the cutest earrings at Claire's. Yeah. She has some crystal ones that are really pretty. And so, yeah, that was now I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good story since the universe gave you crap right after that. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, that doesn't happen that often to have an entire build paid for. And I did splurge with her that day because, you know, I felt like I've been so busy that I just wanted to really make it special. So that was very nice of them. And my yeah. daughter ran up to thank them. And then the mom came to me. She's like, they weren't supposed to tell you. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but thank you. Actually, I did have a very sweet encounter because once he told me, I just looked towards that table and it was like an older couple and they were with their older children, their two sons. I just met eyes with the dad and I just mouthed, thank you. And he just gave me the tiniest little nod and the little wink. And I was like, oh, Aww, they're nice people. Sweet. Anything else for you? Let's see. Oh, yeah, I do have <laughs> one story. So. I had to leave our recording early last week because we had a work event down in Denver for my boyfriend. Right. And then we ended up going out to dinner with a couple afterwards. And then I did something I haven't done in a long time. (laughs) Okay. We ended up in the clubs. Oh my gosh. You had a this is 40 moment. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And I haven't been out in downtown Denver like that probably in 10 years or so. Yeah, it's been a long time. And we were in the Rhino District, which is where all the like cool 20 somethings are hanging out now. And (laughs) We had to wait in line, first oh, of all, to wow. get into a club. And I don't think I would have done that. And they had DJs playing everywhere. And we'd get up to the front and they would be like, oh, it's a $20 cover. And we're like, uh, we don't pay covers. Like, it was what? so funny. <laughs> so we hopped from bar to bar until we found one that didn't have a cover because wow, we're like, we don't pay covers. We're in our 40s. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
It was really funny. Anyway, <laughs> so we get in and we found it like a little place to sit and it was right at the front. So I'm just sitting there kind of people watching. We're having drinks and the DJ's playing and it's so fucking loud. You can't talk. So oh, the four yeah. of us are just sitting there right next to each other, but we literally can't talk. Wow. So I'm just sitting there people watching and I'm with the other girl from the other couple and we're just watching all of these girls walk in and it's like the 90s are back. Oh, really? Like the clothes they're wearing. It's so interesting. So I don't know what it was like, but when I used to go out to the club, you got really dressed up. You did your makeup. You wore like, you know, your cutest outfit and yeah. shoes. Everybody walking in was in like mom jeans with like these white sneakers, a crop top, and then like a oh, I know. a flannel shirt, like, like yeah. grunge era kind of exactly 90s. or Doc yeah. Martens. I see that a lot. Yeah. And I'm like, man, why? And they're like loose pants, too. And they Real don't go loose. all the way down. And it's just so <laughs> funny. Like anything goes. And I mean, God bless it. They're not having to like get all dressed up and like make sure yeah, they're looking great awesome. to just go enjoy themselves. Screw so, this short yeah. skirts and the small tight dresses. But it just reminded me of me being in high school in the 90s and there was a magazine called Delia's did you ever hear of that that. (laughs) yeah and it had all it was just like watching Adelia's catalog so the girls that (laughs) did dress up were wearing the little floral dresses with Doc Martin boots and it was I do do kind of like that look though I know I kind of want to go I don't buy a lot of not not the big not the other one I mean I I always like I, I would wear both I think I just don't think right now I could pull it off but I've I've always been a little flower dress girl yeah, I kind of want to get some Doc Martens. That's what we were talking about. I, was like, <laughs> I need to get a little more trendy. Well, it's good to catch up. Yeah, I guess we should get into it now because we have a semi long episode today, I guess. OK, let's do it. But it's a fun episode. Yeah, uh, we're going to do another haunting. One. So, oh. yeah, I have chosen to visit one of the most haunted places in the world, and that is the Queen Mary. Oh, I am so excited for this one because I know nothing about Queen Mary. I didn't either. I know nothing about it, but I've been to Long Beach a couple of times and like eaten in the restaurants and I've always just I'm staring at it. And like one of my dreams is to go there with my mom and my sisters and my aunts and just do like a girl's getaway just at the Queen Mary and stay there and just stay there. And I've never been, but I know that some of my aunts have been there. And yeah, that's like literally one of my dreams once I am financially able to do so I'm just gonna pay for my sisters and my mom and her sisters to go and my mom's name is Mary so perfect perfect and to me when I was researching this it reminded me a lot of our Stanley episode and we talked about the Stanley and the hauntings there and it'll be the same kind of format today with Queen Mary but the good news is it's a lot cheaper to stay on the Queen Mary than it is is to go to the Stanley Hotel yeah you're serious I'm serious in Long Beach yes like $150 is like a starting room there okay next weekend let's go (laughs) (laughs) so let's talk about the and it's the RMS so RMS stands for Royal Mail Ship Queen Mary because she came from Great Britain back in the day. Okay. So she wasn't an American ship. And when we say she, we're talking about the ship. The ship. So ships are always (laughs) she's. And I'm going to say that a lot because that's how they talk about ships like this is, yeah, she. I'm not well-versed in ship talk. Yes. So boats are always named after women. Well, then I should just go name one after a boy. (laughs) I don't think you're allowed to. It'll sink. I'll do it anyway. (laughs) I'm sure there's some kind of superstition around it, but yeah, so... Well, female ships sink all the time, so. (laughs) (laughs) Fortunately, the Queen Mary has never sunk. No, she's just stationed now. Yeah. 
but she has a wonderful history that I want to go through. And if you ask anyone about the RMS Queen Mary, you would get varied answers on what they know about it. Some would say, oh, it's that tourist destination. It's that hotel in Long Beach. And that's all they know. Others would know about the hauntings because there's been a lot of shows about it. It was even on Unsolved Mysteries at one point. A lot of paranormal investigations have gone on at the Queen Mary. So she's very famous for being haunted. And then others might think of her if they're like World War II fans. She was a very famous ship. Uh, that actually this was probably one of the most interesting parts she helped take down Hitler so so she's she's a badass ship she's a badass ship (laughs) but she has such a long history that will lead to why we can talk about all the hauntings that are there I like it too because it gives you this feeling that you get to go be a part of almost like a real world Titanic like yes. experience still in a way. That's funny. My next sentence says a lot of people would compare her to the Titanic. Okay. <laughs> uh, because she was a large cruise. Uh, right. She was much later than the Titanic when she was built and was sailing. And she is actually larger than the Titanic. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Few would know the Queen Mary's place in history or why it's so important to keep her story alive for all of the generations to follow and for all of the spirits that are rumored to remain there on board today. Mm. So let's bring that to light and get her story out there. She was called the stateliest ship afloat. She started out as a luxury cruise liner in the 1930s, and then she became a strategic part of World War II, and she continued to take trips after the war until the plane travel rose to dominance and took over the cruise industry. mm -hmm. She was officially retired in 1967, and she has been in Long Beach, California ever since then. I want to start off just sharing a quote from someone you might have heard of. His name's Winston Churchill. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Hey, dude. So in January 1953, he said, The Queen Mary is a floating kingdom who could not be sunk by Hitler and undoubtedly shortened the war. This fine vessel is a symbol of the British nation and is the world's favorite liner. So she's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So today I'm going to share the history of this majestic ship and its heyday of the luxurious travel. Yeah. We're going to talk about the pivotal role in World War II, cover some of the tragedies that occurred over the years, which yeah. may have led to it being known now as the world's most haunted ship. Numbers have varied over the years on how many spirits may call this ship home. Anywhere from 15 to 600 ghosts are the estimates yeah. from different paranormal investigators. I'm pretty sure the ships at the bottom of the ocean are more haunted, though. Yeah, we just can't get to those. (laughs) I'm sure the Titanic has some tales or I kept getting this one confused. And every time I told someone I was doing the Queen Mary, people brought up the Mary Celeste. I've never heard of that. So the Mary Celeste, which I think would be a good episode too, was a cruise ship that just disappeared. Oh, well, we definitely can't go talk to those ghosts. No. Okay. But <laughs> I'm sure they have some tales to tell. But this is the Queen Mary and she never disappeared and she's here. Okay. So I think this is one of the top places that me and you want to go visit eventually with the podcast. Absolutely. Uh, I think my aunts will be excited to listen to this one because I do think that they go there at least regularly enough or at least I've seen like social media wise that yeah. it's, an, it's a place that people in California do like to go go visit from time to time. It is a big tourist draw to the LA area. Yeah. So I want to start with the history and how the Queen Mary came to be. Okay. This began after World War One. There was a big pickup at that time for people to travel from Great Britain to New York City. A lot of people wanted to come to America for 
you know, see what's going on in America. And so and now they are running back. <laughs> it's quite the opposite. Now we're all like, can we go to England? <laughs> exactly. Oh my God. I, I don't know if this will stay in the episode, but I am so depressed every time I look on TikTok lately I or know. like all the bills that are being passed. Like, yep. I don't want to get really political, but there's some scary shit going on. There's some scary especially shit in Florida. On. Yeah. We're just kind of riding the wave right now. I think. Yep. And keeping our head above water. And we're going to keep doing the things that make us happy, (laughs) make us happy. And then we have goals and, you know, ambitions for. And then let's just pray shit doesn't hit the fan real hard. I know. Back to the history. So World War One is ended and everyone wants to travel because they're happy. The war is over and it's like a renewal of life. Right. Yeah. And so there was quite a few ships that were starting service and it became like a competition to get the best cruise liner out there. And so there was a UK company called Cunard and they were at the forefront of this battle to attract travelers to America. They had a fleet of really old ships at the time and they started seeing Germany and France kind of taking over their passengers because they had these newer sleeker luxurious ships so Cunard decided it would be in their best interest to build two very large fast ships to replace their smaller older ships and then they sunk (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) Cunard sought out the best shipbuilding company of the day and that was John Brown and Company Shipbuilders so construction began on December 1st 1930 in Clyde Bank Scotland and was known as job number 534 Things were moving along. They were doing well. And then Black Tuesday happened. So the Depression began and they had to cease all work and thousands of workers were laid off. Two of the men working on job number 534 were not seen for three years after the work stopped. So they just Mm. disappeared. Their family didn't know what happened to them. And we'll go back to them in a minute. Okay. So Cunard was struggling to keep their doors open with their current fleet wasn't making enough money. And then with the depression, passengers stopped traveling to America. Right. So they went to the British government and begged them for some money to continue working on these two new ships that they were building. The crown told them that's fine. We'll give you money. But in order to do that, you have to basically merge with your chief competitor, White Star Line. So in desperation, because they were both going to go under Cunard and White Star Line combined, and they became known as the Cunard White Star Line. Well, at least they just shared names. Yes. And Cunard was like, well, I start with C, so I should come first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> White Star Line Cunard would for- have made sense. I am sense. forever looking into the psychology behind names now. Yeah. <laughs> So in April 1934, they were able to start work again because they got the money from the crown and workers returned and they found a grim discovery in the bottom sections near the double hole. So two of the men who had been working on the ship when the depression hit were found dead not too far from each other. Some speculated they committed suicide when learning that they would be losing their job. But there's no real evidence to confirm that's the case. It's unclear exactly what happened, but I think this is the most likely scenario is their bodies were found next to a welding torch. Oh, so it's believed that a buildup of toxic gases like they were in there working may have just built up and caused them to pass out. I do see that more likely. Peter James is a famed psychic. 
And he is actually the one that discovered most of the spirits aboard the Queen Mary. He was given kind of free reign when it first came to Long Beach and he did paranormal research and he's the one that has talked to most of the ghosts. So and this is when? In the 1960s when it did okay. get to Long Beach. Okay. He, while investigating the Queen Mary, believes he met one of these men and his name is John Henry. So then he should know. He talked to him, right? <laughs> I guess. Talk to him as good as you can to a ghost. He got the name John Henry out of him. That's true. Guests and investigators report hearing the sound of tapping in the lower sections of the ship, most commonly in the area around what is known as the green room, which is located near the old boiler room, which is where these men would have been working. Okay. It's thought that the bangs and taps that are heard are the crewmen who perish, letting us know they're still on the ship, they're still performing their duties, and don't forget about them. They're like, leave a coin every now and then. <laughs> They're like, bring me a sandwich. <laughs> now, the British government, they were the major stakeholder in the construction of this liner. So Cunard would have to go and report to the king. His, it was King George V at this time. They would have to go and give monthly progress reports about how the ships were coming along. And it's reported that in one of these meetings, the king asked what the ship would be named. Instead of just saying that they were going to name it the RMS Queen Victoria, the agent said... We are pleased to inform you that Cunard wishes for your approval to name our newest and grandest liner after England's greatest queen. Jessica. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to this, King George responded, my wife shall be pleased at the compliment, gentlemen. Oh, geez. (laughs) Her name is Mary, I'm guessing. And thus, yep, job number 534 officially Uh, became RMS Queen Mary. They're like, begrudgingly. They're like, oh, that's not what we meant. Mary's a good name, okay? <laughs> I hope she was a good queen. It doesn't say. I hope she is. I haven't met a Mary that's a bad person. So the Queen Mary was completed in 1935, and it included three classes of accommodations. There like were Titanic? Was Titanic? I think, yeah. yeah I think that was common for the time. Yeah. yeah. And okay. if you're on third class, you were like basically down at the very bottom. And then first class courses at the top. The completed Queen Mary had two interior pools because they would be going, mm. uh, they would be going across the North Atlantic from England to New York. And that's a very cold. So no right. outside pools. It had three nurseries built in for the children. It had elevators And it had entertainment salons, uh, so like theaters for all of the classes. Right. They also built in beauty salons, libraries. There was a music studio. They had dog kennels, prayer rooms. And then they had telephone connectivity to anywhere in the world. Wow. So it was a pretty, yeah. How do you do that on a ship? Top of the line. I guess. I'm not real sure. Tell me the technology. (laughs) I I I did not research that. They're like, we had cell phones before you, bitch. (laughs) There were 30,000 lamps on board. They had a garage for 36 cars. That's it? <laughs> Damn just, it. Well, back in the days, this is oh, 1930s. Okay. Not They're a lot like, of people Only cars. 36 of you get to have your yeah, cars. Yeah, you probably had to pay extra to bring your car on. I need to keep bringing myself back to the... To yeah, you're in 1936 right now. Okay. So remember those days when you were yeah, a, I, a young I, baby? I, I remember those days. <laughs> they had a full acre of kitchens on the ship to prepare 50,000 meals that were served. That's a lot of food. Yeah. So the time to get from England to America, New York city was about five days. 
Okay. They were known for offering a full gourmet menu, no matter what class of service you were oh, in. Oh, so they were nicer than the Titanic. Yeah, the Titanic, if you remember the movie, they just gave them like bread and, and soup. <laughs> once again, I don't know if anything really matches, but have you seen the, those memes going, or not memes, have you seen those video reels going around with people finding out that Jack and Rose were not real? Like people thought they were real? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. And they're like losing their mind, like crying. Oh my they God. thought that it was a real story. And the, you know that she ends up in New York and she's she yeah. survives and she's this old woman coming back. And yeah, people are losing. And it's more the the generations younger than us. Yeah, because they, because they would watch it and then just no one told them. <laughs> <laughs> they, they thought the Titanic was a documentary. <laughs> Silly kids. We were them too. Free Willy is real, right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Everything's real if it's on TV. <laughs> so as I mentioned, they're going through the cold Atlantic. So they did not add air conditioning. A lot of the ships at the time did have air conditioning, but they did not oh, add really? it here. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't necessary. They needed heat because they were going to yeah. be very cold. Okay. So Cunard spared no expense um, in the appointments, and they actually hired all of the most famous British artists of the time. They painted murals throughout. They added sculptures. They were etching the glass and they had a spectacular homage to the art deco style. Uh, and now, I'm going to put some pictures up of it in its I, original heyday. I want to see it. Yeah, now I just want to build a ship though. <laughs> because all the ones nowadays are Well, let just me tell you how much it costs to build a ship here in a I minute. I don't care. And I don't think I don't, you're going to. I don't care. I'll do it anyway. <laughs> So there was a mural in the main dining room that featured the map of the route that they were going to take. And they built a crystal model of the Queen Mary and it would move along so that passengers would know where they were in their voyage. Oh, that's so clever. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I have a picture of that that yeah. I will put that's nice. on Instagram as well. So the ship, when completed, cost a total of $17.5 million, which is around $310 million in 2023. Wow. I'll still say that. But by comparison, (laughs) if you think about our large cruise ships today, so if you're going out on Carnival or Royal Caribbean or any of those crews, those cost around one to $1.3 billion to complete. Are you serious? Yeah. I mean, crazy. Yeah. I guess there's a shit ton that goes into it, but wow. So she made her maiden voyage on May 27th, 1936. A ticket for this voyage was not real cheap. It was an average of $100, which is around $2,100 in 2023 money. So if you were traveling on the Queen Mary, even in third class, you were most likely pretty well to do. So third class, we're probably not even third class. (laughs) I mean, do you have 2.1 thousand? We're probably fifth class. Yeah. (laughs) The ship could carry 2,100 passengers and 1,100 crew members. Yeah, you got to account for all the crew, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they had basically a two-to-one ratio there. Yeah. So they were all about service. That was something Cunard was famous for, and they bear no expense. That's probably why it costs so much money to right. travel on Cunard. You could go on cheaper ships, but this yeah. was really built for the the upper crust of society. Crust. The crust. <laughs> The crispy crust. On the day the Don't ship... be the gooey stuff. <laughs> I like the gooey stuff. <laughs> oh, things sound so wrong sometimes. I know. 
On the day the ship was launched, there was a famous British psychic. Her name was Mabel Fortescue Harrison, and she made this prediction. She said, the Queen Mary launched today will know its greatest fame and popularity when she never sails another mile and never carries another passenger. Well, at least she didn't say and sinks to the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> but like, think about that in yeah, 1936 when she made that. People were probably like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> yeah, but she was right. Yeah, because it's more is. famous now just yeah. sitting in the dock for carrying, the last yeah. 80 years. Yeah. 60 years. I can't do math. I don't even know where we're at right now. I was way off. <laughs> so the British were very competitive with their neighbors, France and Germany. And they were the other two that were very big into the cruise liner industry at that time. And there was a coveted sea award called the Blue Riband. And that was awarded to the fastest ship to cross the Atlantic from oh. Europe to New York City. And they were planning with this ship to earn that title back from France. And the captain, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I like to bring it up. The captain was planning to do that and they were well on their way to capturing it. And then when they got into the New York area, it was super foggy and they had to slow down. And he was like, damn it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but in August of 1936, they were able to get that award and they were super proud. Nice. And then the French came back and recaptured it. And so it just like went back and forth. They kept competing with this other ship called the Normandy. But finally, they kept adding more like boiler room. I, I don't know all the logistics, but whatever they needed to do to make it go faster. And they were able to capture it back in 1938. And they kept the title until 1952. So they were very proud of that. As a country, she was finally beaten by the United States no. <laughs> who came in and, and took over uh, when she released her cruise liner called the SS United States. Ah, gotta be so, special. Even though the Queen Mary was new and modern, she was still designed from classic plans and had the characteristics of the older vessels. So she would roll with the waves and it would get real choppy in certain oh. parts. And she earned the nickname the Rolling Mary. <laughs> okay. This was a problem because during one of the early voyages, the ship sailed into a storm and they hit these huge waves and it said the passengers were just tossed around like rag dolls. Oh and I can imagine, I'm sure a lot of people yeah. were really sick. There was nothing to hold on to because during the construction of the ship, it oh. was decided that the handrails would take away from the aesthetics of the liner. You know, just like just like, just that like the Titanic net under the Golden Gate Bridge. Or I think in the Titanic <laughs> where they were like, we don't need lifeboats. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, come yeah. on, guys. If everybody dies, then no one else is going to board your ship. So, or if you come off the ship all bruised up, like that's probably not good no marketing. One, you know what? No one thinks of these things back then. They're like, well, it's not like we do it that often. Like there's not a lot of information to go off of. <laughs> it's true. And they're like, it would look bad. So let's just, you know, they're on their own. They can just fly around whenever they hit. I some wonder waves. if they lost them and didn't even realize it. Well, that's what we're about to talk about. Oh. I have a story here. The oversight of not adding handrail. Handrails. <laughs> handrails. I'm trying to speak British. Hand. <laughs> the oversight of not adding handrails led to quite a few injuries during this one particular storm. Mm -hmm. So something that the children in third class loved to do was slide down the staircase, like along the, oh. <laughs> what's the word? The banister. Yeah. And that was near the front of the ship. And so there was a group of kids doing that when the ship hit the storm. Oh, no. And there was a young girl who was sliding down the rail and they hit a large wave and it caused the boat to oh, tip she upwards. Catapulted. 
the violent toss caused her to fall and it said she hit the deck really hard. When the medical staff arrived, it was found that she had broken her neck and she was pronounced dead. To this day, there are reports of a spectral child near the staircase that vanishes when approached. So she's now a spirit that lives. I'm going to give her a hug. I know. She's like, I was just having fun. Can you imagine the mom or the dad? After this trip, they dry docked the Queen Mary and they installed handrails everywhere. And then they put what they're calling nubbing on all of the stairways that would keep kids from being able to slide up and down. So I guess like little bumps on the railings. Yeah. To prevent any future deaths or injuries. They'll still do it. They'll just, they'll get just like, go bump. I was about to say, they'll just get like a little vibration in their booty. Just don't do it during the storms, kids. So the following years, the Queen Mary continued to sail without many other issues. There weren't reports of any other like crazy deaths. <laughs> there were no more tragedies for a little while. Yeah, no more tragedies okay. for a while. So the Queen Mary was very popular among celebrities and she earned the reputation of being like a very luxurious place there. It was like where the who's who wanted to be. Yeah. She was known to carry such celebrities of the time as Clark Gable, Cary Grant and Greta Garbo. She would often carry heads of state such as the Duke and Duchess of Windsor, the Queen Mother, Winston Churchill and even the King of England himself. What about Mary? I would assume she went with him. I would assume she would get on her own boat. She did christen whenever you show up. You do a naming <laughs> ceremony and the Queen of England did show up and christen the ship with like, like, I think they christened it with champagne or something. Thanks for naming something else after me. I'm late to lunch. <laughs> Probably. After just three and a half years of passenger cruising back and forth across the Atlantic, the Queen Mary would be called upon for perhaps the most important role in her lifetime. So the storm clouds of war were starting to gather over Europe and Cunard started to notice a rise in immigrant traffic aboard its ships. So it seemed like a lot of people were trying to get out of Europe ahead of the war. Yeah. So even though the Queen Mary was known as a luxury liner, she still had that third class level. And because she had gourmet treatment and things like that, she became a favorite for those coming to America to escape the war that everyone thought was about to erupt. On September 1st, 1939, the captain of the Queen Mary got a report, however they get their reports when they're out on sea, about the invasion of Poland by Germany. Uh. And on September 30, he heard that the English government, along with France, Australia, and New Zealand, had formally declared war on Hitler and his Reich. Yike. You said Reich. Reich. I said yikes. Yikes. <laughs> yikes. <laughs> the passengers were all gathered in the Grand Salon, and they heard the news, and they all called out, God save the king. Bob Hope. I don't know if you know who he is. He was like a famous comedian. Yeah, I know Bob day. Hope. Didn't yeah. he have his own talk show? Yes, he did. Okay. Bob Hope was on board the day that they announced this. And he quietly said in response, when everybody said, God save the king, he said, and the Queen Mary. So he was thinking about (laughs) her. Yeah, he's like, I'm on the ship right now. So (laughs) I think he was a little frightened. Like, uh, like, uh, your king's over there. I'm here. (laughs) If it had been known at the time how much this ship would contribute to the world, then everyone on board would have stood up and echoed what Bob Hope said. Because... Queen Mary is going to embark on an adventure that would take her thousands of miles and have her break records that are still holding today. Oh, wow. She would be hunted by one of the most powerful and evil men in the world that we've ever known. I'm just like picturing her now with like big eyeballs and eyelashes. And I just 
you know, cheering her on. <laughs> the the ship has yeah. eyelashes. Yeah, like <laughs> Thomas the Train style. Like I can see oh, her yeah. now. <laughs> Let's make a cartoon about her. Yeah, exactly. There might be one. <laughs> so when that announcement was made, when she arrived three days later in New York City, the captain got a notice to stand down and await further orders. So they were not going to continue doing any more cruises because the world is at war at this point and it probably right. becomes kind of dangerous to take passengers back and forth. Well, that and there the ship was funded by the, government. the king. So he kind of in a way also controls what happens with that ship, I'm sure. Yes. So the crown had not yet decided what they wanted to do with the liner, but they went ahead and pulled it out of service. And they said it was too dangerous to sail back to England now at this time because mm. Hitler had U-boats out, which were like submarine or I don't know exactly. I was looking at U-boats, but they could yeah. be submarines and they could come right. up They're and both. they would take out yeah. these big ships. So they didn't think it was safe to take the Queen Mary back to Britain. Makes sense. So it took them months to decide what they were going to do with the Queen Mary. But while they waited to decide, they went ahead and took the ships and started transforming them from the luxury liners into ships of war. So she was stripped down. She was painted camouflage gray. Oh, wow. All of her rooms were converted from guest suites and then outfitted with like troop bunk beds. Did they save any of the beautiful stuff? So all of the fine furnishings were removed along with six miles of carpet. And 220 cases of China, and they put all of that into storage. Okay. To use, hopefully, in the future. I guess. They took all of the portholes, and they basically painted them or masked them so that no light would come out of the ship. Oh, okay. And then they installed temporary anti-aircraft guns onto her decks. Wow. So she truly became part of it. I was just, when you said this in the beginning, I'm like, she transported, like she was a like a cargo. spy people yeah. or like, you know, things that would help. But she, she was like, all right, I was a pretty little thing. And now I'm just, okay. everybody does their part. It's war. Uh, she and turned black, gray, gray. She, wow. And she was one of the fastest ships out there. Yeah. So it makes sense that they want to use hardcore. her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to get even more hardcore. So while they were transforming the cruise liner to a ship of war, essentially, (laughs) they had to craft a careful cover story because there were German spies everywhere. She's sad. (laughs) She's in mourning. I can't get Thomas the train out of my head now. (laughs) So they concocted a story that the Queen Mary was going to become part of the Canadian Royal Flying Corps training unit. So they were going to send her to Canada. However... On March 21st, 1940, they slipped her quietly out of New York City en route to Sydney, Australia. Ooh. So once the ship arrived in Australia, they could do the real work of converting her into a ship of war. So they replaced the temporary guns with permanent anti-aircraft armaments in the front and the back of the ship. They added expanded medical facilities and even more bunks were installed along with hammocks, basically in any area that it would fit because they wanted to be able to carry as many men as possible. When the ship left the dock in Australia, there was not one section of the Queen Mary that had not been completely redone from her time. Wow. Her first assignment was to transport 5,500 Australian troops into Scotland to help with the defense of France, because this is the time when Germany was invading France. Unfortunately, by the time they arrived, the war in France was pretty much over and Germany had taken over France. So Mm -hmm. the British Army had already lost all of its tanks, its artillery, and many of its men, unfortunately. So they took the 5,500 Australian troops 
and put them in defense of the home island. So they just kept them in the Scotland, Ireland area just to be there for defense instead of going into France. So then they were deciding what more they could do with Queen Mary. And they decided it would be best for her to go back to Australia and send Queen Maddie. Did I say that okay? Queen Maddie. (laughs) The Queen Maddie. (laughs) I don't even know that that's That's Australian. That's Irish. Irish. (laughs) Uh, That's where I want to go anyway. (laughs) So she headed back to Australia and over the next seven months, she was used to just ferry troops from Australia to India and Africa because they were protecting all the Queen's Isles Mm. there because Germany had started to go after basically anywhere that Britain had interests or owned colonies or whatever. That's what she was used for. And she stayed down in that area. They equipped her with a degaussing strip which is actually a device that would feed electrical current through the hole of the ship and it would cause it where magnetic mines would ignore the ship. So it kept, you know, because they were dropping all these big mines in the ocean to just blow everybody up. And so they put that on there so she could travel undetected by the mines. Intelligent Queen Mary. (laughs) Did she have a code name? (laughs) Not that I saw anywhere. Darn. (laughs) But I'm sure they had painted over. She was just a gray ship. Nobody knew who she was. (laughs) This was her emo years. She was wearing dark (laughs) eyeliner, and that's I'm picturing her now with a face. I'm sorry. I I put out everybody's gonna listen to this episode and they're just gonna be like, Oh, poor Queen Mary, Tom's the train. (laughs) She's listening to some sad music. Exactly. (laughs) I love Australia. But Uh, she's covered in like I guess I'll go to Africa. (laughs) She's covered in like hot Australian soldier men. <laughs> well, that's true. And she has guns. <laughs> I mean, she's got a gun. Okay, I'm going to take her out of sad Queen Mary and I'm just, okay, now she's badass bitch Mary. Yeah. Okay. But she's still wearing like the winged eyeliner in my mind. <laughs> I just see big eyelashes coming out the side of the boat. <laughs> and like a bandana around one of her. <laughs> she's got Rosie, Rosie the Riveter. <laughs> exactly. Okay, back. Okay, I'm okay, sorry. back I'm to sorry. it. I'm sorry. So sailing aboard the Queen Mary as a soldier was uncomfortable at best. Uh, As I mentioned before, she had no air conditioning and they had stripped all the high capacity ventilation out. So and you said it was pretty choppy, right? I'm just imagining those people on the hammocks like just smashing into walls. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the lack of cooling and ventilation wasn't a problem when she was going across the North Atlantic where it was cold. But now she's in South Pacific, Indian and Mediterranean seas. And it actually became pretty deadly for some of the troops. Uh, It was not uncommon for it to be well over a hundred degrees below deck. Yuck. And all that coupled with the high humidity and no real ventilation, many men succumb to heat exhaustion and stroke oh I bet and they had no no way out either no it was just like oh I can't imagine I keep making noises on every episode yeah you should should be like a voice uh, voice actor (laughs) I don't think I'm good at it no probably not (laughs) don't quit your day jobs (laughs) (laughs) so funny because it's so fucking true you're like I'm gonna cry now I'm not gonna laugh anymore I think you're crying is it okay sorry To this day, there's no clear record of how many men may have died from heat exhaustion and heat stroke, but what is known is it's probably pretty high amount, and many of them could possibly live on the Queen Mary today. Oh, that's sad. Or not live. Haunt. Haunt. Haunt the Queen Mary today. Can I have some water? (laughs) (laughs) It's really hot down here. It really is. Sorry, anyone who's British. (laughs) 
I'm sweating so bad, mate. We don't know. <laughs> We're from Colorado, okay? I know nothing. Oh my god. At least I'm not pretending. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to talk in a British accent. We just had a conversation off air that we <laughs> we've been listening to Red Handed. And she's like, Oh, they're doing so well. I'm like, Yeah, they're British. <laughs> they have yeah, a great if you had voice. a cool accent. And then she was like, Well, they probably think we have cool voices. And I'm like, No, they do not. <laughs> They, they like southern accents. I think that's what I'm like, saying. Yeah, They're we, always looking for s- something that's different, or like a New Yorker yeah. accent. We just have we're just plain normal white girl. Once Colorado. again, we are mediocre. Okay, <laughs> at best, <laughs> we are fifth class. <laughs> we're handing the coal to those men who perished. We're working. <laughs> we're working on the boat. <laughs> okay, moving on. Okay. <laughs> So in November of 1941, the Queen Mary was on her way to Cape Town, South Africa. And while en route, on December 7th, the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. Yep, that's my sister's birthday. She gets to compete with that. And my dad, oh my gosh, my dad also has a birthday. That's another major thing. And so does my mother. We're just the family of human tragedy. You know, I was born on Father's Day. That is a tragedy. For my dad. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Some dads. (laughs) He's glad I was born. I'm sure it was the best Father's Day ever. I'm the best gift. You are. So when Japan, of course, bombed Pearl Harbor, that brought the U.S. into World War II. We were staying neutral at the time, and they were like, oh, fuck no. We're coming in. And so it was decided at that point that the Queen Mary would head to America to pick up troops. Mm Mm-hmm. In February of 1942, she departed New York for Australia with GIs on board, and they called it the 40 Days and 40 Nights Cruise. Oh, my goodness. I love that, by the way. (laughs) I want him back. I know he's retired, but I really do want him back. Who? Josh Hartnett. And he was in Pearl Harbor. Aw. You're just making me sad. He's such a cutie. I know. He's retired in his own way, and I hope he has a good life. It's probably better. He did good movies before he went away, and he was hot. I know he was one of our like heartthrobs back in the day. So before departure from America, the ship was modified yet again to now carry twice as many troops. So they're already sweating literally to death with 5,000 people on board. Now they are bringing the capacity up to 10,000 people on board. So this is three times what the original Queen Mary carried with their 2,100 passengers and 1,100 crew. Wow. So it's quite cramped. So at this time, the Queen Mary just became essentially a transport ship to get new troops from America over to feed the front lines of World War II. She actually made history on August 2nd, 1942. She sailed with the 1st Armored Infantry Division on board. And this was the first time an entire division had been carried on a single ship. Wow. They're like, well, if she sinks, we're fucked. Uh, Yeah. And they're probably pretty important. Yeah. (laughs) It was during the Queen Mary's tenure as a troop transport for the U.S. Army that she earned her nickname, the Grey Ghost. Oh, she had a nickname. She told you. Let me tell you how she got that name. Hitler began to realize that the sheer size and speed of the Queen Mary posed a real threat. And he placed a bounty on the Queen Mary and he would pay anyone $250,000, which is a lot of money back then. Yeah. And they would earn the Iron Cross, which was Germany's highest military honor, to any U-boat captain that could sink the Queen Mary. It was quite a task to achieve, though, because U- mm-hmm. U-boat's average speed was around 11 to 17 knots. 
And the average of the Queen Mary was 28 knots. Yeah. So Try twice bitch. as fast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Ooh, that hurt. <laughs> so many German captains would get the ship in their sights. Like they had whatever the little periscope showing they're ready to fire the missile, but it would just steam out of range super fast. Oh, I was just like picturing like a giant when humans are like shooting bows and arrows and it like hits them in their shoulder. I'm like, what the hell is this? No, they couldn't even catch her. Oh, okay. Like their missiles by the time like they could even even focus in to wow. fire she was gone she was she protected was fast. so that's how she Hitler earned had to be stopped yes and we needed all the troops there to stop his crazy ass so that's where she got the gray ghost gray ghost I like that nickname Me too and I have pictures of her when she was in Ooh, her gray, I haven't seen that when she was in her gray ghost era <laughs> yeah she has she has lived a life she's ghost I'm feeling right now. the Queen Mary I know I like her the speed of the Queen Mary was such that she would not only outrun the enemy ships, but she was also faster than most of the escorts assigned to protect her. So early in the war, she was put into convoy with other liners that would come close to matching her speed. So she would travel with other big liners uh, like her sister, the Queen Elizabeth. Like protecting her from the side so that yes, they would die you first. You don't want to. Yeah, you don't want to. Well, the ships would all want to travel together. Okay. I guess it was unsafe. But here's what happened. As the war progressed and Germany started building up more aircraft that was designed to hunt the ships. Just her? Oh. Not just her. The British and there was yeah. many ships out there. So it was decided that they needed to provide more of an escort around the Queen Mary as she would come into range of those aircraft. Mm -hmm. And so it was decided that she would have a convoy of smaller ships escorting her in whenever they would get into areas where they knew aircraft would be to try and hunt her and take her down, especially now that she has a $250,000 wow. bounty on her head. Unfortunately, because of these escort ships being much slower than the Queen Mary, this would lead to one of the worst accidents on the <gasps> sea recorded by the British during oh, no. World War II. Running into each other? So on October 2nd, 1942, the Grey Ghost was cruising at 28 knots and she, when you are being hunted by U-boats, the best way to drive your ship is in a zigzag pattern. Right. Because it makes it where they can't get you. So they were 700 miles west of the Irish coast and they saw their escorts coming out to meet them. One of these escorting anti-craft cruisers was the HMS Carousel. The Carousel was placed in position near the Queen Mary, but for whatever reason, the Carousel was coming much closer than necessary. Uh -huh. There's some speculation that this was due to the desire for the captain and crew to get pictures of the oh. great liner. They wanted they I guess they hadn't seen the Queen Mary before, which is really sad because they could not match the speed of the oh, Queen no. Mary and she was going in a zigzag pattern. And right. so the two ships were so close to each other that by the time the liner was supposed to turn or Queen Mary saw the Curacao and was trying to turn. She's going so fast that she couldn't. And the Curacao couldn't go fast enough to get oh. out of her way. So she, the Queen Mary, struck the cruiser right in the middle of the ship and <gasps> basically sliced it clear in half. Oh, no. To the horror of the troops that were on board the Queen Mary, the ship didn't even slow down as she oh cut. Gosh. She just, like, plowed right through. And there's propellers at the front. Right. And so, uh, like, it sounds really, oh. really just oh, horrible no. accident to witness. Yeah. That event left a lingering mark on the Queen Mary that remains today and could be part of some of the spirits that we'll talk about later. Yeah. Many people have told stories about hearing the screams of oh. men 
and the rushing water in the forward areas of the Queen Mary today. And you're just there to support her and she destroys you. On the Curacao, there were 430 men aboard. 338 of them died in this accident. Wow. So quite a big tragedy. I mean, the fact that 100, sounds like, survived, then people were aware of their location and were able to come rescue them. Yeah, I'm sure the Queen Mary may have stopped. There was other boats escorting her in, so I'm sure there was a rescue effort. The captain did... The captain survived, survived? Mm-hmm. because he it was it cut him in half. The captain was at the front of the That's ship, true. so right, yeah. poor middle half people. But he probably didn't want to admit that they were taking pictures of the Queen Mary. But somebody came out and said that was the reason they were so close. So probably one of the surviving guys said that it was a bad call that's for the captain. Un- yeah, that's unfortunate. So shortly after the incident with the Curacao, the Queen Mary narrowly averted another disaster when a rogue wave just struck the ship as the liner was approaching the Scottish coast. They sailed right into the heart of a storm that was producing some pretty large waves. And witnesses stated that a wave reaching a height of 92 feet. Wow. Almost caused the Queen Mary to completely capsize. Like she could have just gone straight down. Yeah. And we would have never seen her again. Paul Gallico was a war correspondent at the time and he was on board for this event. And he would later use it as the inspiration for his famous novel and subsequent movie, the Poseidon Adventure. Oh, I don't think I've seen that. Sexy I think it's like an older coming up. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> I feel like I've heard of that. But anyways, yeah, a 92 foot wave. Like, damn. Could you yeah. imagine being on the ship? And they're all like, you know, and there's no in there. rails. I was like, they're all packed. Well, they have. Ra- well, <laughs> okay. I don't know. They may have taken them out during the ghost. They're like, we need ghost more era. space that sticks out five inches. <laughs> but there's like 10,000 guys shoved together. So they probably can't oh move gosh. anyways. They're all like little sardines. Yeah. So speaking of which, speaking of sardines, um, oh, in July, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, always thinking about pizza. I know it's almost lunchtime. <laughs> it is. In July of 1943, the Queen Mary set a record that to this day still stands alone and will probably never be broken. She set sail with 15,740 troops and a crew of 943. So they crammed 16,683 men on board that ship. Holy I have a picture of this and it's fucking crazy. Yeah. It just is insane. So the soldiers said they were not comfortable at all. But how does one get to the bathroom? I don't know. I think you just go. (laughs) (laughs) You just don't eat for five days. It's just the the telephone down the row of men. John needs to go to the bathroom. John needs to go to the bathroom. (laughs) John needs to go to the bathroom. John needs to use the telephone. John needs to use a telephone. They probably had buckets. John wants some <laughs> sardines. John wants some sardines. They are the sardines. These poor guys. Oh. It. They said they were not comfortable at all, but they just held their tongues and made it for the five days from New York City to Scotland. Thank God it was five days and not like a month. The 40 days and 40 nights. Exactly. Although they had like 10,000 people for that. That's crazy. That sounds miserable. Yeah. I'm glad I don't have to go to war. I hope no one ever has to go to war again, honestly. Well, it's happening now and it will always happen until people fighting over power. Well, money and gas. Yeah. Always comes down to money and gas and power. Like Hitler (laughs) just wanted to rule people like they're just evil men. Winston Churchill sailed on the Queen Mary almost exclusively during World War II because it was deemed the safest because it was one of the fastest cruisers out there. 
As a precaution against any spies who may be around, he was given the code name Colonel Warden whenever he traveled. He was also given his own lifeboat that was equipped with a machine gun so he could resist capture at all costs. Just by himself. Just he was going to no be help. like, yeah, he was going to be a badass that took out the German soldier. Space for <laughs> 30 more people, but just him. <laughs> It was on one of the crossings on the Queen Mary that Winston Churchill set into motion one of the greatest campaigns the world would ever know. It was called Operation Overlord and is known as D-Day today. He signed the order and set into motion the invasion of France at his desk aboard the Queen Mary. There is still a suite today on the Queen Mary that bears his name and that desk is still there in the room. Mm. It is also said that strong emotion can leave an imprint on surroundings. Yeah, we talked about that. And if you think about what Churchill must have been feeling as he signed those orders, knowing that while D-Day could end the war, it would also mean the death of thousands of troops. Mm. That had to weigh very heavy on him. And it probably was the strongest emotions he felt during his tenure as prime minister. This could be the reason that many visitors to the Queen Mary today report smelling cigar smoke when in the suite. Mr. Churchill has also reportedly been spotted on the promenade deck by the gift shop today on the Queen Mary because that was once his onboard office when he sailed. Churchill gave credit to the Queen Mary and her sister ship, the Queen Elizabeth, as shortening the war by at least one year single-handedly. Wow. So as the battles continued before the war officially ended, there were many wounded American soldiers that needed to return home. The hospitals in Europe were overrun with injured troops. And so it was decided at this time that the Queen Mary's would be the best solution to get injured American soldiers back home. So at this time, they installed over a thousand double tier hospital beds, a I almost said a laboratory. A laboratory. Because I'm speaking in British. <laughs> laboratory. A laboratory. Or otherwise like, known as a laboratory. I like that better anyway. So for the next few months, the Queen Mary would make trips back and forth. So she would bring fresh troops to Scotland and then she would be escorting back wounded soldiers as well as German and Italian POWs. Prisoners of war. Yes. Bringing them back. Yeah. To face their trials. Many of these wounded soldiers were in critical condition and many would not survive the five-day trip. The number has never been accurately reported and it's not part of the official death count reported by Cunard on the Queen Mary, but you can only imagine how many of these men may have died along the way and their spirits could be on the ship today. (sighs) That's always crazy to me that sometimes we say you're just a number, but sometimes you're not even part of the number. I know. That's scary. Especially in times of war like this, yeah. there were just so many people dying in all all these different locations. It would be impossible to track. Yeah. I mean, obviously, your family's going to know if you're missing and where you were and whatnot. But, but they may not know exactly how yeah. you died back then. Right. They would just know you're gone. Exactly. So finally, in 1945, the war came to an end with the suicide of Hitler and the surrender of the Japanese Empire. After six years of war and countless millions dead... The most destructive conflict in human history was finally over. Don't you think it's weird that there are still some people out there that believe that the Holocaust actually never existed? I don't understand that. I don't understand that either. What's the thought process behind? Maybe we should look into that. I mean, what they don't want to accept that 
I, I feel like they're going off of some type of conspiracy theory facts that they're seeing. And I'm I'm curious, but that's amazing to me. Unfortunately, there's still a large group of anti-Semites out there and they think that the Jews made it up. I've seen I haven't gone deep dive into it, but it is crazy. It's uh, a worldwide. It was a worldwide effect. It wasn't it just one thing. I actually I got to go to Germany. I was born in Germany. I don't know if I've ever shared that. You've never told me that. <laughs> no. See, because we don't know each other. We're we learning about each other. each other. Look at this. How far are we in? <laughs> so I was born in Germany. My wow. my dad was in the army and I had the fortune to go back to Germany because I'd all, it was like top of my list because that's where I was born. I wanted to yeah. go. And so I went a few years ago and I actually visited a concentration camp and oh the feeling there, like just thinking about it now, like it was so heavy. heavy. Like you could just tell. So no, I've been there and I can't imagine not believing, especially if you live in Germany and you see those places yeah. around, I can't imagine trying right. to say that didn't happen. The other really scary thing when I was there and I went through the full museum and it talked about how Hitler came to power. Mm -hmm. It's very close to what's happening in the United States right now. He divided the people. Yeah. He made them think he was going to bring about a new change and he was going to make Germany great again. Yeah. And he did that by causing division and making people focus on. He started with the LGBTQ community. He went after the entertainers. He went after the liberal free thinkers. It's it's happening. And they're taking books. It's already taking. They banned Dr. Seuss books away. They did that in in, in Germany. It's so fucking scary. The only hope that I do have is I'm seeing a lot more people, a lot more open people, a lot of people who are awake to everything than ever before that I've ever seen. That's why the American government wants to take TikTok away. Because that's where you see a lot of these things. And now I've been hearing some interesting things about the control of TikTok in general, though. Oh, really? And what we do see and what we don't see. Like they're already controlling it? Yeah. I just don't know if there's a way that they can touch everything. So I feel like some things are are slipping through and we get to see things, you know, in France, for instance, and what's going on over there. Yeah, we're France only, has a lot going on. We're only on told too. like one tiny thing. We're like, oh, why are you so upset over that? I saw, I wonder if we watched the same video. I just watched a video last night of a woman talking about what's really yeah. going on in France. And she's like, can I tell you the truth? Yeah. <laughs> she's like, we're not just fighting for that. We're fighting for all of this. I saw that. I don't know if it's the same girl, I th- but I saw something too. I saw something about two weeks ago about that. But without TikTok, we wouldn't. Honestly, I'm just so surprised at how important TikTok has become to me. And this is my connection to people in another country. And you can't say it is completely censored because I myself have put videos up at times. They were never taken down or put anywhere else. And I don't know. That's why they're coming after it. And that's why they want to ban things. It just brings things up. I can't talk about World War II and Hitler and all of these horrible things that happened without thinking about we're heading in that same direction. Anyways, let's get back to happier times. So the war is over. Yay. However, the Queen Mary was still instrumental. She was still bringing the soldiers back from Europe. She was also used to transport European refugees who had come to America to escape the war. Now they were returning to their homeland. So she became an important part of that and getting them back to probably their destruction of their homes and all of that, unfortunately. But they got to go and be reunited with their families. 
Once the ship finished bringing all the troops back, she then went into service for nine months and they were calling and her. And gave up and had a baby. <laughs> she got married. A little Thomas the Train but, baby boat. But it was a same sex marriage. Boy. I was about to say Tom. It was a same sex marriage because there's no male ships. <laughs> no. Tom is Tom. Okay. She married a train. <laughs> <laughs> I don't be, know how that would work. It'd be she's a cute on, baby. <laughs> she's on the. I mean, water. he does right on, on the top. <laughs> Get a crane. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I just don't see how that would work. It's okay. We don't know how a lot of things work. She's like a mermaid, <laughs> and he's you know the prince on the. Maybe they shore. transformed. <laughs> They're transformers the now. <laughs> okay, we're going way off. Okay, back, back. Bring it back, Kendra. <laughs> No, I did it. <laughs> Stop taking me off, I'm Jessica. Sorry. So once the ship was finished bringing troops back, she actually went into service as what was called the bride and baby voyages for nine months. <laughs> she didn't have a baby, but she brought babies. <laughs> okay. So she was bringing war brides and their children over from Europe to reunite with the soldiers they married during the war because a lot of American men married European women because they were over there for years, you know? Yeah. After she was done with her bride and baby voyages, she was returned to Cunard because the crown was done using her for war purposes. And so they began the large undertaking of converting her back to a cruise ship. So during all this time, do you know, was she ever actually damaged during all of that warness? Hold that thought. Okay. The Queen Mary alone had played a part in every major campaign of the European operations, as well as in the defense of Singapore and North Africa. So those were the British colonies. In all her time at war, she sailed 600,000 nautical miles, and she had a bounty on her head, as I mentioned. Yeah. The Queen Mary was never fired on. She never fired her guns at anyone, and she never lost a single passenger to an enemy action. Wow. So she truly was the great ghost. Yeah. Yeah. So with the war service over, the Queen Mary was free to resume her career as the premier sailing ship of the North Atlantic. But with six and a half years of war and she had no real downtime for repairs and she was in constant hard sailing mode, it had really taken a toll on the ship. She had to go through a complete renovation to be ready for service again. And they began that only 10 days after she arrived back in England. Wow. She doesn't even get to take a rest. She doesn't even get a break. She's a working lady. <laughs> Actually, she does get to take her. Oh, she's having a spa month. No, she's getting her insides ripped out. <laughs> You're right. It's more like surgery. <laughs> exactly. So thousands of workers labored day and night to remove the scars left by her wartime duties. And it took over 10 months to complete with the first crew scheduled for July 31st, 1947. All of the crew quarters were updated and improved, as well as the passenger cabins. They were reconfigured to actually be larger staterooms for those staying in first and second class. Cunard brought back their world-known commitment for service. The passengers would get the three gourmet meals served every day, and they had three large dining rooms for each class. They even added a printing press on board at this time to produce these lovely custom menus every day. They really focused on the food. Yeah. One thing that set the Queen Mary apart was the fact that any passenger could order a special meal and somehow the chef would find the ingredients and prepare the dish to the exact order of the guest. Wow. So that's something that's on cruise ships today. Really? Yeah. Like there's 24 seven room service. You can get whatever you want. So they were kind of ahead of their times, I guess. How do they keep 
certain things fresh. Yeah. What if you order like some fruit that they just don't I know. Have? That's what I'm saying. I don't know. They said they could do it. Okay. So they also added something called the Veranda Grill, which was an exclusive dining area for the more affluent passengers. And it carried its own menu and allowed guests a more intimate dining experience. Once dinner was over, the Veranda Grill would transform into a dancing venue. Mm. And that's where the rich and famous could be seen and admired by everyone. Yeah. Have fun. Elizabeth Taylor was one of the most famous actresses of the time. And she actually was aboard the Queen Mary. And I have a cool picture of her. And there was many other famous celebrities of the time that were sailing now that the war was over and everybody was back to feeling good. Right. However, by 1958, the Boeing 707 jetliners began regular service across the North Atlantic routes. At this point, 68% of passengers that would normally take the cruise liner began flying instead. It was much faster to spend five days. By 1965, that number had reached 95%. So 95% of who would have usually been on the Queen Mary is now taking the transatlantic flights. Right. It's no longer about the experience. It's now about how do I get Get there there quick. quick. Yep, exactly. So by 1961, when the Queen Mary docked in England, while she had a guest capacity of over 2,000, there were only 437 passengers aboard. Oh, So Cunard was struggling and they were scrambling for ways to attract more customers to travel. And so they began to expand their itineraries. They began sailing to the Canary Islands and back. And then they planned to begin trips to the Bahamas as well. Well, here's the problem. The ship had no air conditioning. Oh, they also did not have any above deck pools. So like most people on, they would take cruise liners that would have that. They just had these below deck pools. Right. So it made for some pretty uncomfortable passengers and they had to discontinue those cruises after a short time because they were getting right. bad reviews. Yeah. And also people's attitudes had began to change in regards to what luxury liner travel was used for, as you just mentioned. So cruising had become more popular. The new way of sailing was you got on the boat for vacation rather than to get on the boat to get somewhere. Right. And the Queen Mary was built to just get you somewhere. Right. Whereas all these other cruises. Yeah. yeah, So all these other cruises are coming with fun, like more amenities, shows on board, things like that, that the Queen Mary just didn't have. Right. It continued to decline. And by the end of 1966, it was common for the Queen Mary to arrive in port with more crew members than passengers. Mm -hmm. Not looking good for her. Mm Mm-hmm. So in May of 1967, the crew on board the ship received notice that their ship was to be retired. Cunard figured that their scrap value of the ship would be around $2 million, but they hoped to get more by putting it up for a bid. They didn't want to scrap it. They just wanted to see other ideas out there on how the ship could be used. Yeah. That makes me sad. (laughs) I know. Yeah. She's been through so much. I'm glad that Cunard was like, you know what? We could make $2 million scrapping it, but let's see if we could make more money doing something that preserves her. Or just looking into something else. Yeah. Yeah. So some of the ideas that were floated and bid on at the time, one company wanted to take the Queen Mary and her sister ship, the Queen Elizabeth, weld them together and create the world's largest catamaran. Oh, wow. That would have been weird. (laughs) Yeah. Another idea was to permanently dock the ship to be used for housing London's homeless population. Oh, wow. I mean, it's a good idea. Who's going to pay for it, though, right? Yet another idea was to sink her in the Bahamas and use her as a fish hatchery. I mean, it's clever. Yeah. I like that they're trying to use her for helpful things. 
In the end, the city of Long Beach came in with a winning bid of $3.5 million, and their plan was to permanently dock her as a floating maritime museum and hotel. That's awesome, though. Yeah. yeah which is kind of what happened. Yeah. So as part of the terms of the agreement, Long... It did. It did. Yeah. <laughs> but there was a lot of struggles we're going to go into. Okay. It hasn't all been smooth sailing, and it's still not today, unfortunately. Well, it's not sailing. Well, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> smooth docking. <laughs> As part of the terms of the agreement, Long Beach had the option to either sell tickets on the cruise for the final voyage or they would have to pay Cunard to deliver the ship to them in Long Beach. Yeah. Unfortunately, the ship was too large to fit through the Panama Canal. And so she had to travel all the way around Cape Horn, cross the equator twice and sail between ports in the tropics, all without AC. So it wouldn't be a pleasure cruise for anyone. So it was just the captain. I'm just (laughs) kidding. (laughs) Cunard tried to dissuade the Americans. He said, you don't want to do that. You don't want to put people on the ship. Yeah. But Long Beach was like, we don't want to pay the money to have it transported. So they found this kind of fly by night travel agency company to arrange or make arrangements for people to ride the final voyage. And they marketed it that way. Yeah. And people went for it with a lot of ice. (laughs) That was we're going to talk about. Okay. After 31 years in service, she had crossed the Atlantic a thousand and one times. She traveled 3.8 million nautical miles and she carried over 2.1 million passengers. She sat out on her final voyage and it was on October 31st, 1967. Wow. Halloween cruise. You know, it's crazy because we think about history. Mm -hmm. Wow. She had such a part. She's during a time when she was literally in her own era. Yeah there weren't really cruise ships to begin with in this way. And it only lasted a little while. And then she was part of the war. She was the gray ghost. I mean, there was only one true time for that. And it was her. Yeah. And And she rose to the occasion. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, Yeah. I don't think there's any movies about her. I mean, it it did sink. So yeah. Maybe if she had sunk. I mean, we always like the tragedy of things to be in there. So as she pulled out of England for the last time, there was a huge crowd there wishing her well. They had the Royal Marine Band came in and played Audling Sign. Mm-hmm. On board for this final trek, which probably became the cruise from hell, were 1,040 passengers and 860 crew members. So they got they got a good amount for this last one. Yeah, hopefully they got a discount. <laughs> Don't eat the shrimp. So the last great cruise was met with many obstacles for these guests and crew members. It was a 14,559 mile transit to conserve fuel costs. They decided to only use two of their four engines. So this means the boat's speed was brought down significantly and caused the cruise to stretch out even longer with no air conditioning. So in total, it would take them 39 days for the full trip from not 40 days and 40 nights. No. Okay. Not quite. 39 days doesn't have the same ring to it. No. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, we did more. Calm down. <laughs> Stop complaining. As they traveled into the tropical areas, the heat on the ship became unbearable. The guests were sweltering with only small fans to help cool them down. They said the public areas were even worse. Diners would leave meals quickly as the heat from all the people gathered in one oh, area yeah. was just too much. Yuck. The crews working below decks and behind the scenes were even worse off. Well, yeah, for sure. Especially the people down there. Yeah. Stoking oh, the fire. In the boiler rooms. Yeah. Oh, my God. 
So the heat got so bad that many of the crew had to be relieved every so often just so they could go cool off, like you said, with ice or cold water or whatever before they could resume their jobs. It was so bad in the kitchens that one assistant chef collapsed from the heat and he could not be revived. Oh, no. He was taken to the hospital where he was packed with ice to try and bring his temperature down, but it was just too late and he died of heat stroke before the ice could work. He was buried at sea. Fuck that shit. He was the only one known to have actually died on this voyage, but so many others were sick to some degree from the heat. Why buried at sea? I mean, I feel like in order to be buried at sea, you should have like some kind of buried at sea DNR or like, you know what I'm saying? Like like, some kind of approval. It's okay to throw me off the boat. (laughs) Maybe they didn't have anywhere to put him and it was so hot. They didn't want like a corpse on deck. I don't know. Oh, poor guy. Hopefully he had. And he's trying to feed everybody. Hopefully it was written Mm -hmm. in his will that he wanted to be. I doubt it. Buried at sea. Now his spirit's out there. Are there such clauses in ours? No. If I die at sea. Well, you can say what you want to do for your funeral. I don't know. Maybe as part of being the crew, you had to write something in. We'll have to look at contracts. I'm just staring at you. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, Jessica. Tell me more. I'm not a sea expert. I just researched online and read a book. <laughs> You're like, I didn't even, I don't even have enough for this story. And then yesterday she's like, wow. I have a lot. <laughs> so the death of the assistant chef could be the cause of the stories that have persisted over the years of a spectral cook scene on the Queen Mary. Spectral so perhaps cook scene. A spectral like, um, cook has been seen on the Queen oh, Mary. Oh, been seen. Yeah. Okay. A ghost cook. Who's cooking? <laughs> a ghost <laughs> Named, cook, assistant cook, John Cook. (laughs) What's his name? (laughs) By the time the ship arrived in Rio de Janeiro, it was scheduled for a three-day stopover, and many of the passengers got the hell off and stayed in a hotel to get some AC. One couple even said that was enough and flew home to Long Beach instead. (laughs) Okay, yeah. They said the Queen Mary was a nightmare of rats and cockroaches. Oh. After Rio, the ship finally caught some relief and headed into cooler weather as they headed towards Cape Horn. They stopped and picked up the mayor of Long Beach in Chile because he wanted to ride with it for whatever. I don't know. Why was he in Chile? I don't know. He's just rich. He's traveling. (laughs) In Acapulco, they stopped to let the press on board because this was a big deal for this boat. It had never gone this far west before. And they know its history. Yes, exactly. They want to see it. Unfortunately, the press got on board and they were back in warmer weather at this time. And the only cabins they had available for the 60 reporters were way below deck in C and D. So the press was not very kind. And they sent word that passengers were complaining about shoddy service. It's okay. They were about to dock it. Right. I don't give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) It was poor food and intolerable heat. Good thing that they were getting out of the cruising business. The whole point was to bring it back up that way. One reporter from England used a headline that said, the queen that died of shame. <laughs> Dude, you're dying of shame. She Here's did a lot. Shut up. Cunard told them not to put people on the boat. Yeah. Long Beach was being kind of cheap. Yeah. And they just gave these They're poor like, well, people. We, we got to pay our way. And all these people are like, well, I'll pay. 39 days of hell is what they paid for. Regardless of the trials endured on this last voyage, California was eager for her to come in and they were there to greet her with aircraft flying over. They mm-hmm. rained fresh chrysanthemums and carnations onto oh, her deck. That's 
pretty That's sweet. Yeah. And there was a plane that was sky riding and it said, hail the queen as she Aww. pulled into the harbor on December 9th, 1960. <laughs> oh my God. Did you hear that? Does she think she's the queen? Oh my God. Siri thinks she's the queen. <laughs> so the queen Mary Wait, was tight. She's still talking. You want to ask her a question? I don't need you right now, Siri. Thank you. Go away. On December 9, 1967, the Queen Mary was tied to the dock in Long Beach, where she has remained till this day. Queen Mary was the ship that saw the world change. She carried the rich and famous, and she helped defeat the Axis powers in World War II. But she had now sailed her last mile. Wow, she's so awesome compared to literally anything I thought. <laughs> I know. I thought it was really interesting when I started reading. Yeah. I had no perspective whatsoever I just remember on this. seeing her in Long Beach, and I'm like, wow. You yeah, know? she's an impressive looking but I, ship. I never knew her story. Yeah. Yeah. So the conversion of the Queen Mary from an ocean liner to a tourist attraction was quite the undertaking. Yeah. All of the remaining fuel needed to be removed. And then they had to take out any loose flammable material and get the ship ready to be what they call dry docked. Yeah. You don't even think about that. It's like, wow, get all the flammable stuff. Yeah. Off of there. Because they had to meet building codes now. So basically oh. they needed to turn a ship into a building, especially if they want to make it a hotel. Right. So they sandblasted it. They sealed it. They repainted it. Her engine room was removed as well as her boiler and generator rooms. They said an estimated 320 tons of paint were removed from the ship. Lead? I don't like know. Like you warned me earlier? I don't know, but it said they took 320 tons of paint and it raised her up by a full one and a half inches because oh, wow. it was so much weight taken well, off. Well, I mean, if you think about it, they had to repaint her for the Grey Ghost. Yeah. They just painted over. Yes. So they probably just scraped her all the way down. And it's a heavy and paint a, that they use. It's a big ass boat. Yeah. So, and it's supposed to protect, you know, it's like a yacht paint, probably like something yeah, exactly. pretty heavy. That so makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So the interiors of the ship were completely gutted in a way. Uh, this kind of makes me sad. So it underwent so many changes that it is not even recognizable today as what it would have been when it was in its luxury liner days. Oh, darn. All of the decks below the R deck, which is they use R now as restaurant when you go there. But anything below that was completely gutted to make room for a museum that they were putting into the Queen Mary. The R deck itself was changed by dividing. That was where all the dining halls were before or the dining rooms. The very beautiful art deco dining rooms were all converted into banquet halls. You know, what's interesting is when they make these decisions, though, they don't know it's going to be a hit. No. They're just trying to repurpose something. Yeah. That was otherwise croaking or and whatnot. To me, so, I think. Because I'm going to go through more changes they made. And I don't really agree with it. Because I'm like, it probably would have been a better tourist attraction if it was set up and recreated just like going and getting on one of these luxury liners. Like, mm -hmm. a lot of us can be obsessed with like right. the Titanic idea. And for me, like, if I want to go stay on the Queen Mary, I would want it to be like it was back in the 1930s. And they didn't do that. Yeah. And hmm. that bothers me. But yeah. anyways, let me keep going on what else they did. So the second class dining room was converted into kitchen space and an employee break room. Yeah. And then the third class dining room was completely taken over and given solely over to just storage. Oh. So the spa area and the second class swimming pool were removed completely. 
They did keep the first class swimming pool open for hotel guests, but it was later found to be in violation of safety standards. So it was eventually drained and they haven't had a pool on the Queen Mary since. How so? Spikes sticking out? I think it was something to do with maybe material used around the pool wasn't anti-slip. It sounded like there was some, I'm trying to think what else they said. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. (laughs) It wasn't safe. And they said, we'll just drain it instead of spending the money to make it safe. And now it's a flower garden. I don't know. (laughs) No, now it's just a big empty, I don't know. I guess they probably covered over the pool so people don't just fall in. I mean, you would, maybe it's an unused room. Okay, moving on. (laughs) Moving along. (laughs) I need all answers. Kendra, come to me with better (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I I have no. I don't want to leave with so many questions in my brain. (laughs) So the first class cinema was removed and turned into extra kitchen space. And the first class lounge and smoking rooms were converted to more banquet halls. And the second smoking rooms, (laughs) the second class smoking room became a wedding chapel and administrative offices. (laughs) I don't know. This just makes me sad because it had all these like cool areas that were only on board these luxury liners. Mm -hmm. And now it's just a building like any other hotel out there with some like cheesy banquet halls. So going back to what I said in the beginning, I don't get to go experience a docked Titanic. No. Rawr. So the debonair observation bar, which I have a beautiful picture of this in its heyday, it was redone in a Western motif. Oh, goodness. I know. Oh, my gosh. Leave it in the West. Who brought these plans? Oh, my gosh. And then the elegant veranda grill where all the famous people used to dance at night. It was gutted and made into a fast food venue. In and out. (laughs) (laughs) Wendy's. (laughs) It's actually not even a brand name fast food. It's one of those ones that just has shitty burgers and fries and you pay $25 for. No MSG. (laughs) Oh, it's got all the MSG. All of the smaller rooms like the library and music room were converted into retail space. And the sun deck was also converted to retail and concessions. So nothing's the same. No. Oh. It's kind of disappointing. It is really disappointing. The sections of the I'll ship. I'll still go. I'll still go, but <laughs> it's like, guys, y'all should have kept it cool. Now it's just Well, boring. back then they were trying to become more modern. Yeah, you're right. We're this the idiots the that are like, let's jump back 20 years now. Cool? All right, let's do that. <laughs> we were just talking about it earlier. 30 years. Oh, my God. 30 years. Of what? We're in the 20s. Yes. In the 90s. Mm-hmm. It was 30 years ago. I know. I'm old. And now they're all dressing like that again. (laughs) Right. I should have kept all my clothes. I don't think they'd fit, but. (laughs) No, they wouldn't. Just having a child. I can't even get it up like past like five inches above my knee because that's how much my hips were like, whoa. I can't fit into stuff I bought last year. So (laughs) I've been enjoying eating a little too much lately. Enjoy eating. Who gives a shit? Exactly. That's where I'm at in my life. The sections of the ship that changed the lease were the areas and rooms on the A and B decks. And those are now the rooms that are used for the hotel. Almost from the moment the Queen Mary was docked in Long Beach, stories of the paranormal began to surface. Ooh, we're getting there. We've been waiting. Yes. I love the history, though. Yeah. Well, you got to understand why the spirits are there. And you can't do that without talking about the history. Yeah. Spirits don't just show up at places. I don't know. (laughs) They're like... They're all like on the beach like, ooh, a ship. That looks cool. Bounce. (laughs) 
Those working to prepare her for dry docking would tell stories of strange figures they would see out of the corner of their eye or they would hear conversations when no one was present. Tools would disappear only to turn up somewhere else, often in areas where the owner had not been. The reason for this sudden manifestation of spirits may never be known, but some speculate that permanent residents of Queen Mary knew that their days of sailing the open seas were over and they began to show their displeasure. Oh, I mean, think about it. And now they're just sitting in Long Beach, California. And like, they're like, this is not what I signed up for. No. And they're pissed because they heard that a fucking Baskin Robbins went in where they used to. <laughs> they're like, and I can't even fucking <laughs> taste the ice cream. <laughs> Anyways, others theorize that the displeasure comes from the destruction of the ship. What I just said. Yeah. Turning it from a distinguished ocean liner to a tourist attraction. Oh. Whatever the case, the spirits came forward at this time to let everyone know they're here and they're here to stay. Okay. I'd be mad. Like, especially if you were stuck in a room and then you watched it get torn apart, like remodeled or like you (gasps) were living in the dining room and hanging out. And now it's just a storage closet. And you're like, that's not where I want to be anymore. But you're like stuck. So the Queen Mary started her career as a tourist attraction on May 8th, 1971. It was three and a half years after she had arrived in Long Beach. The much anticipated Jacques Cousteau Museum of the Sea opened the following December, but it only had one quarter of what it had planned for exhibits. So Mm -hmm. the initial reaction to the ship was quickly tempered by the fact that many of the attractions were not yet open and also the restaurants and the hotels had not opened at the same time. So they Mm. opened the ship up, but they sound like they did a pretty shitty job, honestly. They're like, just come walk around. We have nothing for you yet. So they set it up (laughs) for failure. Yeah. So the hotel finally opened one year later. They had originally planned for 400 rooms, but they only opened with 150 rooms. Yeah. At this time, it was owned by the Diners Club. And they just could not seem to figure out how to run the attraction. And the ship began to lose money almost immediately. In 1974, Hyatt took over hotel operations, but the ship just continued to spiral down. The museum could not keep its fish from dying. Oh, I know. Throw them back in the ocean. (laughs) And so there was low ticket sales because nobody wants to take their kids to see dead fish. Oh, that's messed up. So they closed down and that was the premier attraction at the time for tourists outside of the hotel. So the ship would pass through many, many more ownerships over the years. And unfortunately, none of them could really make a profit. Yeah. They just couldn't figure out the right mix to make the Queen Mary a viable operation. Yeah. So interestingly enough, and I did not know this until I started researching, but Disney gained control of the Queen Mary. Not surprising. To be clear, Disney was not interested in purchasing or taking over the Queen Mary, but it came as a kind of a sidebar because they were trying to gain control of the Disneyland Hotel in Anaheim. And it was owned by someone called the Rather Corporation at the time. And the Queen Mary came as like a package deal when they wanted to buy the Disneyland Hotel. But it wasn't the Disneyland Hotel yet. It was a location and they wanted it. No, it was the Disneyland Hotel, but they but didn't it own wasn't it. Disney. It was built next to Disneyland. The Rather Corporation came in and built that hotel. And called it Disneyland Hotel? Yes. They had been trying to get control well, of this for Disneyland's a long time. fault. This was just the hotel closest to Disneyland. Because yeah. when Disneyland first built, they didn't build hotels. They yeah. didn't plan it as a resort like it is today. They rectified that when they built Disney World. Right. They bought all the land and made sure they owned everything. 
So Disney took over from Rather when he passed away in 1988. They came to inspect the Queen Mary and they were not pleased with the condition of the ship. The Port of Long Beach had been maintaining at that time and they had been using some kind of protection system on the exterior of the ship to prevent corrosion, but they hadn't really thought about the interior of the ship. So in the years before Disney took over, they saw water from leaky pipes and sewer pipes and air conditioners had collected in the bottom of the ship and there was like this soupy, corrosive, just gross is what it sounds like in the bottom of the ship. And what was happening is it was causing the ship to rust from the inside out. Yeah. So there was a story recounted by one of the engineers that Disney sent in to inspect the inside of the ship. And she said, I can't remember exactly where I was, but we were just inside the bottom of the hole, possibly down by the propeller shaft. And I leaned my arm on a piece of the structure (gasps) and just, and the metal just broke off and fell to the bottom of the ship. Oh no. She's like, we were below the waterline. And she's like, honestly, I just couldn't wait to get out of there. Yeah. After this, Initial review, the engineers put together a report detailing the necessary repairs. It said that they needed about $6 million in immediate repairs and another $30 million additionally over the years to make sure that the ship would stay afloat afloat, yeah. and not and fall And not apart. make people sick yeah. by rotting. Yeah, secure. Yeah. Or like you <laughs> step into your room and fall through. <laughs> like, Yikes. So Disney did make a valiant effort because they had the money to try and stop the corrosion. They pumped out the water. They cleaned out the debris. They did some reballasting. They did what they could do. Right. So the Queen Mary was never advertised as a Disney property. Yeah, I never knew. But they did decide to open it up as a hotel. And during this time, they had heard some of the paranormal stories from the crew. And they thought, let's capitalize on that. Yeah. So they put together something called the Ghosts and Legends Tour. They would hire actors to reenact some of the more famous ghostly figures rumored to be on board. So they would have people dressed up. Everybody would come in for dinner and they would do a cheesy recording and the actors would like show up when they said, oh, and then the lady in white and then a woman would come out with flowing white. And then we died of gas toxins down in the boiler room. Yeah, they would. And they would bring in all these people reenacting like oh. things from the war. And it sounds really cheesy. It does. really. I mean, it does. I mean, maybe if you had some drama context up to that, like she loved him and they were running away together. Well, they did this, make stories okay. like that. They made stories up about like murders happening. And yeah. And I bring this up because there are a lot of videos and things out there. If you look at the Queen Mary and some people will repeat these stories. And it was really stuff that Disney invented. Yeah, it was just a story to, to make invent. money. Yeah. Yeah. They even went so far as to have actors dressed up as prisoners of war and military men come out when discussing the tragedies that occurred. So I, I yeah. feel like it was probably kind of in poor taste. They even talked about when they would go on the tour, uh, they would have areas rigged up. So they would take people on a tour of the mm. ship. And they would be like, oh, this is the pool where a little girl was. And they'd have like a little girl's voice would start whispering. They would have like knocking noises would be made, things like that as they were telling the stories. One of the most famous rooms that you'll hear about in many retellings of the Haunted Queen Mary is B340. So this room is brought up and a lot of people say there's an active poltergeist in there and all of these things happen. This room was no more haunted than any other room on board. And it was set up by Disney oh. to be a paranormal experience. So, All right. We're debunking everything. <laughs> I can tell. I have some real stories. Okay. Too, but this one, I want to make yeah. sure everyone knows is not real. So B340, don't pay extra money to stay there. It's nothing special. No. 
Disney actually allowed guests to book this room for an out of this world spooky experience. So they rigged it up to make noises in the night. They had it where the lights would flicker on and off and items would move. Mm. This room actually had, like I said, has no history to make it any more haunted than any other part of the ship. You could see a spirit in here just like you could see a spirit anywhere else, but it's not as big as it has been made out to be. I mean, they had to choose some room. It was even said that Disney, uh, they used this as their inspiration for the story that they would later tell in their ride at Disneyland called the Tower of Terror. Oh. About a family checking into a hotel that was haunted. and Okay. So it didn't work for them while they owned the Queen Mary, but they just took it to Disneyland instead. They just expanded it. So the ship was continuing to lose money. So Disney came up with the idea to build a new amusement park on the adjacent land of the Queen Mary. And they would use the Queen Mary as the centerpiece of this new resort. It was going to be called Port Disney. Oh. And it was going to revolve around the world's oceans. And they were going to set it up with all of the Disney magic, make it a full resort. Unfortunately, they ran into so many obstacles because of oil regulations. There was environmental concerns. And then also the city was worried about the traffic impact to the harbor. So there was too much resistance and they just gave it up. Wow. And so in 1992, Disney shut down the Queen Mary Hotel. Oh. They laid off all the employees and turned the keys over back to the city. Wow. During the time that the Queen Mary was closed, the only people on board were the security guards hired to protect the ship from vandals and those that just wanted to sneak on board. There are many tales from the guards of hearing noises that sounded as if parties were taking place on the ship. Yeah. Yet when probably they probably was. It was, probably were, I, was I would say. so go on. I think the ghosts were partying because <laughs> all the people were gone. Like, <laughs> <laughs> of course, when they would approach the areas where they heard the sound nothing would be there and the sounds would stop can you imagine being a security guard on something like that it'd be creepy just like walking the ship it'd be really creepy it would be dark others told of hearing voices that would lead them all around the ship letting the guard get close only to hear the voice again down a different passageway so they're playing like throw Reese's pieces at him <laughs> and he's like this way <laughs> and then they trap him <laughs> yeah. many guards would chase people around the decks only to discover that no one was there Gotcha. And quite a few of the guards began to refuse entering the ship at all. And they would all just stand outside. Yeah, that's exactly. (laughs) They're like, I'll watch the outside deck. I'm not going inside. I'll let you know. That's a creepy fucking ship. Yeah. (laughs) So the Queen Mary traveled the world's oceans for 31 years. And in that time, she went through disasters. She sailed through storms, everything like she went through all of it. She became a part of the history herself. Unfortunately, with that death was a constant companion for the luxury liner. She caused hundreds of fatalities when she struck the Curacao. Yeah. And there were deaths of countless German and Italian POWs because while they were transporting them, they weren't in the best of conditions. And we know that a lot of them succumbed. And even natural causes, people would just, you know, pass away. There was talk of suicide and even some other kinds of accidents, perhaps murder that has occurred on board over these 31 years. So all of this death on the stateliest ship afloat adds up to one thing. It's definitely haunted. Yeah. I would argue it's completely haunted. Yeah. And it is known as the most haunted ship in the world. Yeah. Other than those below. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So many people may have heard of some of the more famous spirits that wander the ship, such as the Lady in White. There's always a Lady in White. A Lady in White. But few really know to what extent the ship is haunted. The late psychic Peter James, who I mentioned at the beginning, believed there were 600 spirits on board and possibly more that have yet to be discovered. 
Over the years, many paranormal investigations have taken place on this ship, and the amount of evidence that they've brought is pretty large. It's not something that you could completely debunk. And I will post some pictures of of things that they found. Yeah. There's a lot of EVP recordings. Like mm-hmm. there's some really solid evidence for the hauntings on the Queen Mary. Why is it never like the lady in purple? Maybe they didn't wear purple back in the days. It's either white or black. No. (laughs) It's the ghostly uniform. They give you a white dress. That's it. No. (laughs) (laughs) So Peter James served as the resident psychic aboard the ship, and he was given free reign to investigate over the years until his death in 2007. He is said to have interacted with around 150 ghosts in the 20 years he spent on board the ship. He is a controversial person in the paranormal community. He has made money over the years with his investigations. And he started the TV show called Sightings years ago. Hmm. Who cares if people make money? I know. I'm so tired of that as a reason. I'm like, so if you have a natural gift, you should never like musicians or athletes anything. He has a psychic ability and he actually seemed like a pretty humble person. I did do a little bit of research about him because I saw a lot of, or actually I listened to a podcast where they kind of discounted him in a way. And they were like, anything Peter James says, you just got to throw it out the window. And I was like, but why are they saying that? So I researched him and sure, maybe he capitalized, maybe he embellished a few things, but I think everybody has some legitimate evidence and he has helped police find bodies over the years with his psychic ability. So I yeah, I'm not going to discount him. And I'm going to use some of the evidence that he collected to talk about these hauntings. Okay. Aside from the lady in white. Purple. <laughs> she's in white. Damn it. Perhaps Purple the most is. famous ghost aboard the ship is a young girl. She's about five or six years old. And her name is Jackie. Is she the one from the staircase? I don't mm-hmm. think so. We have a different theory there. I okay. thought that at first, too. Jackie is probably the most active ghost, and she's the one that paranormal investigators, like if they are given the rights to get on the ship, most of them are trying to interact with Jackie. Okay. Peter James first discovered her in 1991. He was exploring the Royal Theater, and he had a film crew with him. He asked who she was. She started talking, and he captured this with the film crew. So he asked who she was, and she audibly replied, meet me in the other pool. James was at first confused because he didn't realize the room he was in had actually been the second class pool originally. Peter did as she asked and what transpired next is part of paranormal legend. As he conversed with Jackie for over 10 minutes and the whole conversation was caught on camera. Wow. This event alone launched him into the spotlight and spawned that hit television show I just mentioned called Sightings. Sightings. Jackie seems to have a playful side. She likes to have fun with people. She likes to play peekaboo from the upstairs balcony above the pool. Like I have a picture of her like with her little head or they think it's her popped up. She will allow just a glimpse of herself and then quickly duck behind the balcony just like a little five or six year old kid would do. And then she'll appear in another part of the pool to repeat her game. So she just Mm. likes having fun. Many people have reported hearing her calling for her mommy, which is sad. It is sad. It is believed that she remains on the ship looking for her mother, but little else is really known about her. One theory is that she was part of the war bride cruises, like when they were bringing the bride and babies over, and that she drowned in the second class pool. Oh. She does get around the ship. She's been seen in other areas, not just the pool areas. Most paranormal investigators believe that the permanent ghosts on the Queen Mary are just still going about their business as if they are still alive, and that's why you see 
the ghosts on the Queen Mary move around perhaps more than you might in other okay. places. Yeah. So let's talk about the lady in white. So this beautiful young woman has been seen most often dancing around in the Queen's Salon. So that's one of the banquet halls now. It was the main lounge when Queen Mary was an ocean liner. So it makes sense that she would be dancing around. They said to like unheard music. It's like she's in her own little world. Mm -hmm. And that was where the rich and the famous would gather to dance every night. And she's, I guess, stuck in that. Hmm. Her identity is unknown, but everyone who has seen her says she wears a very beautiful white evening gown. Okay. There are many reports by guests of seeing her glide across the floor, but when one tries to approach her, she will vanish into thin air or just fade away. She's also been spotted in and around the hotel lobby, as well as moving up and down the staircase nearby. Now, this is cute. She seems to have adopted the little girl, Jackie, that I just mentioned. Oh, (laughs) some people have reported seeing them together and they've also heard her singing like she's singing a song to Jackie and sometimes uh, Jackie will hum along with her. Yeah. So sweet. That's taking care of. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So another ghost reported to be on the Queen Mary is named John Petter. And this was an actual person they can trace back. John Petter was 18 years old when he worked down in the engine room in 1966. Mm. He was working in the sweltering heat of the boilers with the generators and all the moving engine parts. It was a long day of hard and tiring work. It was a very tedious shift and it would last hours. So in those dreary conditions, these young crew members would come up with ways to entertain themselves. Some of these ideas were not only dangerous, but just really fucking stupid (laughs) that they would do but you can just imagine young boys yep so here's what happened periodically the captain would call for watertight door drills so when this when this occurred an alarm would sound and the crew would only have like a brief time to get to their stations or they would be caught in an area so it was it was like a safety procedure the doors are going to come down because the the ship is about to be flooded you need to get out right essentially oh no he went under one Kendra. So <laughs> stop guessing. I've seen enough of those things. <laughs> I don't want to think about it, but yeah, something like Dang that. It. The doors were not that slow, but the men began to test their manhood by playing uh. a game of chicken. And so they would run through the doors at the very last second to see who was like the bravest, who could wait oh the longest. God. And unfortunately, John Petter was trying to win the game and prove himself. And he <gasps> did lose his life. He was crushed by watertight door number 13. John Petter is known to haunt the area in the Shaft Alley by door 13, and he's become famous for his aloofness towards men and his forwardness towards women. Mm. I mean, he's an 18-year-old boy. It makes sense. Yeah. He seems to prefer the company of the ladies and likes to stroke their hair and tickle their ears. Oh. Some have even reported feeling his breath on their cheeks. Okay. Maybe he's trying to kiss them. <laughs> we know the ghosts of the Stanley like to do this, too. He's probably just breathing. <laughs> He's just right there. Yeah. He's just admiring their beauty. He's like, I was cut in half. (laughs) I don't even have my upstanding member anymore. (laughs) Can't do anything but breathe on you. (laughs) Many people have reported seeing shadows dart from the hallway as they approach and then quickly disappear between the machinery as if they're trying to duck and hide. Mm. Those walking near door 13 also report cries or strange audible moans. And the sound of a man speaking in whispers. What's scary about that is it could be at any time of her 31 years. It's a long history. It's a long history of people that were down there in the heat mm-hmm. dealing with God knows what. And these could be multiple ghosts. 
you know, yeah. they just know John Petter was that one is documented that he was crushed and died right. right there. So they assume, but it could be, I'm sure there were other. And we brought up the, you know, the buried at sea and whatnot. Yes. So how many of them actually passed away in the harsh conditions of being down there and right. were just tossed away because maybe they had no family. Right. And that was their one job. And they're like, well, all right. I cruise ship and do this job and it makes sense to me like when you talk about like the haunted hotels like the stanley they only had so many guests but this ship had right. so many people thousands in upon crazy thousands. conditions and at one point sixteen thousand at one time right so it's, it makes sense that yeah. it's it's very haunted yes so there are two lesser known spirits that are reported to inhabit the first class swimming pool alongside jackie They appear to be soldiers who may have perished together during the ship's gray ghost era. It's believed these two men were victims of heat stroke. Like we were just talking about. And they like went in the pool? Or wait, no. Maybe. They stopped that? They didn't have the pool for the soldiers. They had filled it in. Yeah. Okay. So they couldn't even go cool off there. I know. That's what I was. They were probably just crammed in the pool area like with hammocks and things. So these two men, they've called them Jack and Terrence. They don't really know what their names are, but that's what they they refer to them as. They always manifest together. Hmm. So it seems that they were friends and they most likely died maybe at the same time or around the same time. Right. Many people report hearing their names audibly. Oh, I guess they do say their names. That's why they're called Jack and Torrance. Yeah. I should have read this better. <laughs> so many people report hearing their names audibly as if they are trying to let us know that they are still here. And some believe it might be a cry for help. They are usually accompanied by an intense heat. So people report he- feeling heat, which is why they think it may be heat stroke. Like they're trying oh, I'd to be so signal. miserable. I'd be so miserable. It'd be a really bad way to die. They do seem to be a bit playful with guests. Guests report having their clothes tugged as a way to get their attention. Like the ghost is grabbing their shirt or their pants and like, hey, look at me. <laughs> Thanks, Stanley. They're saying that there's no way for them to know, but the author of the book I read said he's hopeful one day they can identify who these two men are so their history can be fully known. And maybe they'll get to move on. Maybe. That's why they're there. Someone needs to come in with some superpowers. Yeah. So the other ghost, I mentioned him originally. This was one of the two guys who died during the construction. Mm-hmm. His name was John Henry. Yeah. So I'm just going to give a little bit more, but he is one of the well-known ghosts of the story too. He also seems to like the ladies mm-hmm. and he kind of shuns the guys as well. So many women who explore the green room reports having their hair stroked, their cheeks would be brushed by unseen hands. And sometimes he even likes to pinch their butts. <laughs> well, Okay. Men, on the other hand, have reported being shoved and tugged until they leave the area. He's like, uh, your wife can come in, but you got to go. Yeah. <laughs> this was kind of creepy. So inside the green room itself, there's a square hole in the ceiling where people have seen glowing eyes, like looking down. And others have reported seeing the full head and face of John Henry looking down on them. I'm just looking up at the ceiling right now and I'm like, I don't want to see glowing eyes. How big was the square? I don't know. Give me information. I don't have a picture. (laughs) You should go there. Um, Maybe he'll pinch your butt. Where was this? (laughs) What room? It is in the green room. Okay. The boiler room area. He does seem to be stuck in this area of the ship. He's never been reported to be seen anywhere else. That's why he's pinching butts. He's like, ladies never come down here. Exactly. Get out of my way, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Excited when he sees a lady come in. 
So there is a restaurant on board the Queen Mary that is called Sir Winston's, named after Winston Churchill. Mm -hmm. This was at one time the crew quarters uh, when the ship was in operation. It seems to be home to a spirit that they simply call the dude. Is he the dude that passed out while making people food? No. Oh. This guy is always seen in a top hat and tails. So he's believed to be a man that obviously was part of the upper Mm -hmm. class. And they think he manifests in Sir Winston's because he appreciates upscale dining and wants to like relive that part of his life. Or Winston killed him. But I I don't think Winston Churchill killed anyone. The dude. (laughs) I don't think Winston Churchill killed anyone. You don't know. Other than the thousands of soldiers and (laughs) D-Day. Hey now. And apparently he still haunts the ship too, as we talked about earlier. So the dude. He seems to prefer the bar area of the restaurant. And there are many reports of this gentleman approaching guests from behind, clearing his throat until he is noticed. And then when they turn around to see who's behind them, he likes to vanish. Other times he, instead of vanishing, he will just turn and pass from view through the wall that leads into the men's restroom next door. (laughs) It's thought that he comes to the Sir Winston's restaurant because he likes to admire the crowd and takes pleasure in watching everyone have fun because that's probably the most lively part of the ship. Okay. The operation has never threatened anyone. And most of the ghosts, I don't think I saw there's maybe one ghost on here that has a darker energy to it. It Mm -hmm. seems most of them are pretty friendly. Okay. It's probably because the queen Mary was a mixture of both like travel. Yeah. And military. Cause I've heard that other ships, not so much when it's just men, men. Like yes. it can be some very it can be pretty dark. Yeah. So he also will manifest in one of the banquet rooms. So this once again goes to why they think he just shows up where people are having fun. Cause yeah. he's, you know, in his, he's in his top hat and tails. He's ready to party. Maybe he was in love with the lady in white and she was a singer dancing. Yeah. They never show up together. So maybe he's looking for her. That might be it. And she's dancing away. She, she's dancing away. She wasn't interested. She's like, Hey little girl. So another ghost I want to talk about is Captain Treasure Jones. What a name. Mm -hmm. He was meant to be a ship captain. Treasure Jones, he was actually born into a life at sea. He joined Gould Steamship Company at the age of 16. He worked his way up on many great ships and finally became the captain of the Queen Mary in December of 1965. Wow. He would be the captain for two years, and he was actually the one that delivered her to Long Beach in 1967. Oh, wow. He retired from his sea life right after delivering the boat there, and he spent the rest of his life on land. He passed away in 1993 at the age of 87, but it seems that Captain Jones was not ready to give up his charge of the Queen Mary. He's been seen and heard all over the ship, but the bridge seems to be his favorite place. There have been reports of him standing in the wheelhouse, staring out the front windows as if he's looking on the horizon like he would have done back in the day, looking Mm -hmm. for the waves. He loved his cigars. And so the smell of smoke has been reported near his cabin where he used to reside, even though smoking is strictly forbidden on the Queen Mary today. He's also been seen in and around the pool area. Apparently that's where all the ghosts, that's where all the cool ghosts hang out. (laughs) (laughs) Wherever he's been seen, he's in his naval uniform, fully like pressed and polished and you know looks like the he's ready to order people around (laughs) I guess I don't know there is one area of the ship that is known to be a hot spot to see Captain Jones and also hear him you can audibly hear him speaking he's been caught on EVP and that's the propeller box 
they don't really know why he would frequent that area. That's not a space that a captain would typically go to, but they speculate that he may be concerned about the great hole that is now cut out of the ship's <gasps> front Aww. because they cut this big hole so that when they set up the Queen Mary to be a tourist attraction, mm-hmm. they cut a big hole and put like glass over it so that when people come on, they can see the giant propellers that used to oh, yeah. cruise the ship. I'm trying to think of the He's word. Like, What's wrong with my so ship? So they think he's just we down there like, this. why is there a hole? We can't, we can't, we can't go anywhere with it <laughs> like this. <laughs> so he's been seen and heard there by many guests. Uh, but each time he's approached, he either fades from view or passes um, through a wall, basically. He actually passed away in England, but they think that his spirit may have come back to the Queen Mary because that was like the pinnacle of his career. Oh, everything is so hard to explain and understand. I know. <laughs> Every time I think about ghosts, I'm like, wait, do we die where we stay or do we do we go where we want or does something pull us somewhere even across the world? Like are so, there are there fractions of us in a million places? In all the places that were important to us. Are Could there be. fragments of our our soul and our spirit? in a million places it could be so let's talk about some of the darker ghosts they're just called shadow people okay so shadow people have been reported in all areas of the ship at all hours of the day and night there are many theories on what the shadow people are some believe they could be interdimensional beings slipping between our dimension and theirs Mm -hmm. others think they're simply another form of ghost or spirit there's also a theory that they are men in black that are somehow not fully cloaked as they enter our domain from theirs. <laughs> so whichever one you want to believe, they have been All seen. of them? <laughs> oh, oh no, I'm sorry. I haven't got to the most evil one. Some even believe they are demonic entities or even demons okay. themselves. Yeah. I don't want to think that. Whatever they are, one thing is certain that if you see a shadow person, you will have a hard time forgetting them. So everyone who sees a shadow person is going to be more frightened than they are by any other ghost on the um, Queen yeah. Mary. Especially if I go try and touch it. Oh, I actually have a, I have a picture of the shadow figure too. Okay. Someone caught, um, they appear in many forms. They may be tall or thin. They may be short and fat and some (laughs) others just, they said defy description. They are just normal people. I don't know. Shadowed. Or they're like distorted, like a demon, like creature, I think, instead of a person. Staticky. Some appear to be clothed in like trench coats. Others will be wearing business attire. Answer my questions, Kendra. Stop asking questions. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Some have a more sinister look and they appear cloaked and hooded, more like a demon. Okay. Many report them having a smoky appearance. Others report them having a shimmering aura about them. Hmm. They are often seen as a person is walking down one of the ship's long hallways and they may see like the figure further up just standing and staring at them. These entities may vanish from view or just walk into walls. Each time one has been witnessed, the viewer is left with a feeling of foreboding. Well, maybe in these interdimensional places, they also need a hotel. And they just so, want to sleep for the and night. And so they're told, go here, pretty open. And so they're just also in those rooms. So something else reported quite often on the Queen Mary are balls of light. So these are different than what is commonly referred to as orbs or like, you know, a lot of 
hauntings, they show orbs in pictures that are caught on film. So these mm-hmm. balls of light are different because they're actually seen on the Queen Mary and they're visible to like while you're walking around, you see the light ball kind of floating mm-hmm. and they're reported to be anywhere from the size of a grape all the way up to a size of a softball. So it's not something that they just see because they took a picture and then they're like, oh, that must be a ghost. Right. They're, they're physically seeing these little, I think of like Tinkerbell fairies <laughs> or yeah. something. Yeah. And you can see that they have more of a like 3D appearance versus like the orbs that are typically shown. Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look and for more, a picture. I didn't see a picture of these, but I'm going to see if I can find one. More commonly with iPhones lately, green. Yeah. Orbs. Yes. I see those t- a lot. I think yeah. that's usually like a reflection or the sun. It's kind of annoying. It says that they seem to produce their own light and can be seen in total darkness. So once again, I think they're little fairies. I don't know. Or they're just souls. It's been theorized that they could be some form of ball lightning. If you've ever heard of that. I haven't heard of ball lightning. It's like a phenomenon where it's like basically static electricity collection. It's souls. Or it could be spirits of the crew members. Wandering. They don't know where to go, but there's still an essence there. Some people believe that these lights are spirits of the carousel some of the men that were killed there or perhaps even the German and Italian prisoners of war who died in the cargo holds. Can you capture them like fireflies and go put them somewhere else? I know. Put them in a jar. Yeah. See what comes out. See what, I mean, go take them somewhere pretty and get them off the fucking boat. That would be a, a good idea to try. It doesn't sound like anybody can capture them. They just see them. Okay. And then they we're disappear. going and I'm going to try. I'm okay. bringing a jar. <laughs> we're going to catch a ball of light. Yes. And say, what are you? I'm John, since everyone's named John on this boat. (laughs) So let's talk about room B-474. So we think this might have been what inspired Disney to build room 340. 340. Okay. Room B-474. Guests have told of many tales of ghostly occurrences happening in this cabin specifically, almost from the first day that the hotel opened. Here's what is believed to have happened. Sometime in 1959, on a voyage from England to New York City, there was a young couple who occupied the cabin with their two young daughters. Not much is known about them, but a tragic event did occur on that cruise that would shake the crew of the Queen Mary, and it left Cunard scrambling on how to keep it as quiet as possible. Oh, So this was a tragedy, and there's nothing documented about it, and... The reason they think is because Cunard did not want it to be known that a murder occurred on the ship. That's not good for business. Of course not. (laughs) (laughs) So late one night, the father, in what they assume was a fit of depression, strangled his wife and two daughters while they were sleeping in bed. And then he went into the bathroom and shot himself in the head. So typical murder, suicide. Yeah. So the sound of the gunshot brought the master of arms from the Queen Mary, and he was the one who discovered the grisly scene when he entered the cabin. The incident was kept quiet, as I said, and the bodies were stored in the isolation ward until the ship docked in New York City and the family could be notified. That brings me to the isolation ward. I want to talk about that area next. Okay. It's been classified as a hotspot for paranormal activity. While the ship was in service, this area was part hospital and part disease control room. In the Queen Mary's early days, little was known about how infections or diseases spread. So whenever a passenger was found to be carrying any kind of contagious disease, they were placed here to isolate from the rest of the passengers. They would also put stowaways that they would find on the ship because that mm-hmm. happened quite often, yep. just like yep. Jack from Titanic. Take Jack. <laughs> <laughs> They would often put the stowaways in there as well as anyone who seemed to be suffering from a mental disorder. So the stowaways had to be with the sick people? Yeah. 
and anyone who was having any kind of like mental breakdown, they would just throw them in the isolation chamber as well or ward as well. This is also where the POWs were taken when they became ill in transit. Makes sense that this would be a hot spot. A lot of suffering taking place in this one small area. Yeah. It'd be hard to believe it would not be haunted. Mm -hmm. Reports over the years include guests seeing ghostly doctors moving about men and women lying down in bunks. So they actually have this set up to show what the isolation ward was. Like if you do a tour of the ship and they have a glass partition that shows like the bunks, the medical bunks, and people have reported seeing people actually lying or ghosts Um, lying in the bunks. Okay. They've seen nurses tending to unseen patients in the bunk room as well. Some believe that a nurse may have been one of the unfortunate few who lost her life in the ward and she's now drawn back to the place where she died and is trying to help others. There have been tales of people hearing voices speaking in both German and Italian, which could be some of the prisoners. Right. Just beyond the isolation ward was one of the morgues that had been set up during World War II. That area is off limits for most of the year, but it becomes one of the mazes during the Queen Mary's Dark Harbor event in Halloween season. I don't know that I'd want to go into a maze that was the morgue. I'll do it. Many people have claimed they have seen real spirits mixed in with the actors hired to scare people during the show. And even some of the actors themselves have refused to work in this area or they quit because of the experiences they've had while working there. In these types of situations, I feel like the workers would actually experience more because they're kind of just standing in those areas, right? Like right. ready to All day. pounce yeah. or do something. So they are the one that's having more yeah. paranormal experience. <laughs> and they're standing there by they're themselves like in, the dark. in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> it makes more sense that they would be the ones that are experiencing yeah. this. Other activity in this area includes hearing the suffering moans of the sick, as well as conversations taking place between unseen doctors discussing their patients. This is kind of cool. The lady in white has been spotted in this area It's thought that perhaps she is there to visit and cheer the other spirits up that are sick. She's like a little. She's like the she's like the mama of the ship. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So she's there as there. She's the white queen. (laughs) She is the Queen Mary. That's what we're going to name her. Yeah. The real. So the final place I'm going to talk about on the Queen Mary is the first class pool. This is where Jackie is. And it's also the place that most paranormal investigators will go they like to spend the most time there most of them trying to catch another conversation with Jackie after Peter James had that 10 minute conversation with her Hmm. they also claim there is a vortex here in the first class pool area that allows all the spirits to cross over into our realm and back into theirs it's said that this vortex is actually in the changing room part of the pool in a narrow aisle it's said that if you stand in this spot, you will feel the hair on the back of your neck and on your arms rise. Can we go? I want to go. I mean, is it accessible now? This area? I don't know if Kendra this is part of the know. tour. Damn it, damn it, damn it. <laughs> I'll tell you why I don't know here in a minute. Okay. Because, yeah, the Queen Mary has been off and on as far as being opened and change oh, management. I know that my aunts were there not too long ago, like yeah. within this. So they said you will feel your skin crawling if you're standing in this vortex area and a lot of people report feeling dizzy. People have claimed that when they are near this spot, they get the feeling of being watched. Their adrenaline will start to pump uncontrollably. They will have a strong urge to flee the room. Hmm. People who have investigated this area have reported hearing the whispers of a little girl and a British woman and seeing Hmm. shadowy apparitions of a man who will watch the investigators intently before vanishing. 
Hmm. There's also tales of a spectral cat that prances by as the people sit in the stalls. And on rare occasions, the cat will brush up against them, just like cats like to do. I've heard cats in so many stories. I like them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're such a a new cat cat lady. lady. (laughs) There is a small room directly under the staircase at the front of the pool. And it's only accessed from a very narrow, low aisle. You have to actually stoop to enter into this room. This area is said to be home of Grumpy the Growling Ghost. (laughs) That's what they've named him. (laughs) Apparently he growls. So no one is quite sure who he seems to be. It's probably like an exotic animal that they stopped somewhere. (laughs) It's a tiger. No one is quite. No. Well, I'll tell you. So nobody is quite sure who he is, but he seems very comfortable to stay in his little home under the stairs. I mean, have they actually seen that it's a human being and not an exotic animal being illegally shipped somewhere? So here's what they say about him. That'd be funny. Many people have heard Grumpy as they approach the room, and some have even reported seeing what appears to be glowing eyes looking back at them from the dark. So a tiger. So maybe it could be a tiger. Or a or a black panther. Yeah, because it never says he actually talks. Exactly. Maybe it's an actual animal. He's like, fuck, get me out of here, dude. There are many times investigators will be conducting an EVP session in this room, and they begin to feel dread or fear, which continues to rise until they leave the room. An they animal. think... So one of the psychics that visited this room claims that this is the spirit of someone who murdered someone and because of their guilt, they committed suicide in this small area of the ship. That's specific. Or it's a tiger. I I mean, you said growling. Or a lion. (laughs) We are in the 1930s, 40s, 50s. Like they were transporting animals like that. They did go to Africa. And they did go to Africa. Like I'm thinking... Someone had an exotic animal and it died in some way. It was hot. There was no air conditioning. You stuff an animal in a place like that and they're covered in fur. Like they can die of heat too. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm debunking this one. I don't know. I'm just sharing it. You guys can. It still fits with your psychic shit. Like maybe they killed someone. Maybe the tiger (laughs) killed someone. And then he was like, I feel bad. I'm going to hide out down here. (laughs) I shouldn't have eaten that guy. The hallways of the Queen Mary have seen countless people come and go, and many of the past passengers and crews have remained behind to wander the decks. All of these tales should be in the front of every guest's mind if they decide to visit the Queen Mary. So I want to talk about where the Queen Mary is today, and Long if you want to go beach. visit. <laughs> well, I'm talking about like in as far as visiting, but yes, it's still in Long Beach. It hasn't moved. No, it's on. Spoiler stopped. alert, it's still in Long Beach. <laughs> <laughs> So you know how I mentioned the engineer that went with the Disney crew and the the ship was falling apart? Mm-hmm. Disney did spend a lot of money and there's been multiple managers of the Queen Mary over the years. And it would take me probably another podcast just to talk about all the drama of the ship changing management. And it hasn't ever really been cared for, mm-hmm. which is sad. In January of 2017, it was documented by the engineers looking at the ship at that time that according to how it was corroding internally at the current rate, it would become structurally unsafe within 10 years. So that's 2027. Mm. So we have to go now. Right. That's basically what I'm about to say. So it's costing them millions upon millions of dollars to try and keep this boat afloat. And the problem is nobody's making any money. Like it's not turning enough of a profit to keep like anybody who wants to go in and operate the hotel. It's not a good viable operation. It is something I would say if you want to see the Queen Mary, I would go sooner rather than later Mm. because I don't know how much longer they can continue to support it. 
they're using tax dollars. They're using, you know, different loans and things, but it just doesn't seem like it's going to be sustainable much longer. Okay. So then it's happening. So during COVID, they did shut the ship down. The company that was running it at that time filed for bankruptcy. And so it's in this whole mess right now. It is being run by the city. It did reopen. Actually, the hotel just reopened in April of 2023. So the hotel is open today. I looked online and rooms start around $149. The rooms are not recreated to look like they did back in the 1930s. They look Can like a standard hotel Vegas room. trip to Queen Mary? Yeah, let's be supportive. <laughs> So unfortunately, I don't have like a really happy story because I, I worry that the Queen Mary may not be here much longer. I know. Someone's going to step in. Right. Someone with money tries to do something. It's estimated that they need about $200 million to really fix it. Plenty of fucking billionaires. Jeff Bezos, to do get that. down there. It's not even that. There's plenty of people with that, many, that much money. And that's sick to say that I'm just like, and they there's even, plenty of people. And they wouldn't but miss there it. Is. Yeah. And it's going to be there. Like. And so, someone might just have a soft spot just for the Queen Mary who has that kind of money. And that's what's going to save it. This is my bid is whoever takes it over needs to spend the money to recreate it back to what it looked like when it yes. was a luxury liner. Get the fast food shit out of there. Get the concession stands. Like make it an if experience you, where people can go and live like they're on the exactly. fucking Exactly. And if Titanic. you want fast food, then guess what? You're going to have to get some special ass Uber Eats. I don't know. I think that they did a disservice to this beautiful historical ship when they recreated or they rebuilt it as this tourist attraction back in the 60s and it hasn't recovered. I know, but we also didn't know that it was going to be honored as the Queen Mary. Well, that is my story today. I loved it. I hope you you guys enjoyed it. You almost walked away from this one and I didn't want you to. Here's why. Because I listened to this one podcast and I won't name it, but it made me feel like the Queen Mary was a fake haunting and it discouraged me because I'm like, oh, maybe this was just a made up story. We didn't want to debunk again. I kind of debunked. That's where we were getting to. I kind of debunked in Amityville. Right. But when you have a ship that's been through 31 years of traveling at this point all over this world right in a lot of horrible situations and a lot of people have died right it makes sense that it's haunted i'm sorry (laughs) it's fucking haunted and whether or not what's been presented to us in a by disney or in a a media way Mm -hmm. it's a haunted place i believe it completely haunted there's no way it can't be i'm sorry right it doesn't make sense that there's not souls aboard so we want to go there. Uh, yeah. We better get there fast <laughs> before it sinks. But not just that. All the little places that are right there around the marina. Like, it's just a beautiful place. And I love. I would love to chill there for a few days. Yeah, Because I it. feel like I've, always, I've been there for like three hours. I want to, if we go, we can get a hotel room pretty cheap and split it and do it. We can do this, Kendra. Yes. I feel we like we'll be reporting I, live from the Queen Mary. I feel someday. like this is one of the more affordable things we've ever th- I'm really glad you went through with this one me too I'm happy I'm I learned a lot and I have more respect honestly for the Queen I'm, Mary an, now. I'm astonished by her history yeah I would have me never too. walked up to her with the same amount of respect that I do now right so thank you you're welcome. I hope you all enjoyed it. That was that was really fun. Me too. I'm really glad fun. we had a lighter episode. I needed the lighter episode. It's yeah. been a hard week and we've we kind of need to find a little bit more like this sometimes. I, I don't know. know. 
Or at least mix them in between. Mix some them in of the others. better. We're trying yes. to mix it in. A lot of it depends on how much we feel like we can put together. Some stories are longer than others. And Not take just more longer, time. but then they they went from being something that might have been funny to then being something that's really heavy. So yeah, this one was good. And now we get to go to dinner. We do, and I'm we so get to go eat hungry good right food now. So and have a margarita, and, and then go hiking, yes. and I get to be like. A mom who actually you get like, to have has some fun, fun this weekend. Every now and then. <laughs> but before we do that, I want to remind everyone: please keep listening to us. Please subscribe yes. uh, wherever you get your podcast. Right, review. Tell your friends Thank about you. us. Please share. Yep, we're on all the socials. We're yep. Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. Yes, is that it? <laughs> I'm looking at Jessica Cross like uh, my brain. <laughs> we like I said, there are some pictures from the Queen Mary, so I'm gonna post I, some yeah, stuff I up on Instagram. See, I want to see the little crystal ship dude who tells you how far you oh, are oh yeah that was really journey. cool yeah yeah so i'll post lots of pictures and uh we do have a patreon that we're gonna have some fun names for the different levels because i have some ideas but first and foremost please people please send your stories yes our lab reports we um, need stories we really do need stories we have a we have a few now but yes. i want to make sure that we have enough that is good for an episode and a compelling episode a lot of we all have these stories right we all do and the ones we read so far we've talked to them a couple times and they're really really good we're enjoying really the exciting. stories keep sending them in guys and i'm like gosh we all have this shit like yes just give it to us please send those to lucidlabpodcast at gmail.com and our p.o box is p.o box 251 East Lake, Colorado. <laughs> I know that part. <laughs> <laughs> What's the zip code, Jessica? 80641. That's awesome. I'm going to know it all one day. She's like, I know the city. <laughs> <laughs> I know the P.O. box and the city, but nothing else. All right. Everybody, take care. Stay lucid. Thank you. Thank you. Stay lucid. Bye. Bye-bye.